CampusToCanton.com is taking it to another level. Starting August 28th, book in your college Saturday with the C2C team in every Saturday of the college football regular season. At 10 a.m. Eastern, come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the Saturday slate of games, start sits, players to keep an eye on, and college DFS lineups. Then the Late Show with Coast to Coast. We take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances, whose values increased or decreased the most, and those out-of-nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus, the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on. The tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. CampusToCanton.com has you covered for the most anticipated college football season ever. Go do it now. Go to the YouTube page and subscribe. Welcome to another episode of Campus Life. We are halfway done with summer school here. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in with us this week. Um, For those who haven't uh, listened in a while or maybe are first-time listeners, we are spending these five weeks leading up to the college season just previewing all the conferences and covering all the news we can possibly cover uh, from spring camp or from preseason camp here. So far, we've done the Sun Belt, the MAC, the CUSA, the AAC, and the Mountain West. And tonight, we bring you the AAC, home of my beloved Pitt Panthers. So I made sure that we talk a lot of Pitt, and the show will be about four hours. He's he's not exaggerating at all. I have really had to limit the number of Pitt players on here. Like, I'm um, I'm sorry. There's just not very many relevant Pitt players on here. Why wouldn't you want the fifth receiver on Pitt's roster? You know, it's a great offense. As great of an offense as it is, I don't know if if, if the fifth wide receiver is going to be the best one. You know, I don't know if uh, the backup QB is going to be worth stashing. We'll we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Fine, fine. Okay. We'll just cover a few of them. Um, We were at the. When we do the Big Ten, though, it's all Penn State. No, we're not going to talk about Penn State at all. No. <laughs> the only way we talk about Penn State is when we talk about Will Levis, which we'll do here tonight. And then when we talk about the SEC. Teaser. Oh, yeah. We just got back from the, uh, the Fantasy Football Expo. Uh, we were there this weekend. The whole Campus to Canton crew was there. We shot a couple of commercials. We presented. Um, we schmoozed. We had a booth. We drank. Schmoozed. We boozed. I really did not feel great this morning still. <laughs> But here we are. So I, I'm excited to get this show on the road here. What say you, Colin? We just hop right into the news here. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Before we do that, guys, I'm going to say this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras. Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and The Fantasy Points Podcast. Uh, you can follow all of them on one place on Twitter, at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out their weekly Friday drop that recaps everything that's happened that week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. We actually met some of those guys this weekend. I was literally going to say that, yeah. I met, uh, met a lot of great guys this weekend, a lot of great people this weekend, and some of them happened to be uh, from the media group there, yeah, so that was yeah. really nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's good putting faces to names and all that stuff. All right. Fair so enough. first piece of news, and we actually have a couple of really big ones tonight, but I think the biggest of them all is Eric Gilbert, who is apparently no longer with Georgia. Um, couple different stories coming out and the way Georgia kind of phrased, they said that he's taking care of some personal issues. Some are speculating family issue, but on some of the Georgia boards, they are saying that he got into a heated argument with Kirby smart and, and smart basically gave him the boot here. I don't know if he's, you know, if he's given him some time to cool off and, and maybe he'll come back. I don't know what's going on here, but what are we doing with Gilbert? Um, I mean, there's just been red flag after red flag after red flag here. And, you know, at some point you got to pay attention to all that red. Um, I obviously, if you own him, you're holding him, but man, I would, I would be hard pressed to, to trade for or draft him at this point. Cause despite all the talent that he has, if you can't, if you bounce from school to school to school and you're not even a sophomore yet, like, man, that's, that's not a good look. He's fighting with coaches, you know, reportedly at LSU, it was more grades, but you know, and now drug maybe tests. and drug tests. And drug now, tests. So it's grades, drug tests, fighting with coaches, position changes. There's just, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And it's like I said, it's, it's a shame because he's very talented, but man, I I'm out. Do you have him? Do you do you have Mare ahead of him at this point? Did you already have Mare ahead of him? Yeah, I put Mare ahead of him a while ago, kind of back when, uh, you know, the like, okay, when he went to Florida, I was like, all right, cool, we'll keep we'll we'll keep him where he's at, and then couldn't get into Florida, so then I was then I moved Mare ahead of him at that point. Um, I I don't know where I would put him in my rankings right now because the tight end position is kind of tough. Um, but he would, I would be hard pressed to keep him in my top 10, to be honest with you. I still have him up there. Um, I don't know. Cause I feel I'm not that comfortable dropping him that far in my rankings because if he can get his crap together, I mean, he's a great player. He was Absolutely. leading or second in LSU and receiving when he opted out last year. Um, but I think he's kind of a blockhead. And th those are guys that you hope they get it together, but there's a limit to how many blockheaded things you can do. And I think Gilbert has probably approached that for me. I will probably be dropping him. I really need to sit down this weekend and, and kind of think about uh, where I have my tight ends for now. Um, well, I think the biggest question is, are we, are we keeping him at tight end? I don't think he's ever going to be a wide receiver in the NFL. Like I just really don't like I am keeping him there just because, this wide receiver thing is that I think he's very much about the money. Yeah. I think like really cash rolls everything around him. Nice. I, re I really, really do. Um, and I think a lot of the decisions that you're seeing be made this off season, this, yeah, this off season and just in general with him is about money. So that's not necessarily a red flag for me, but just the way he like, failing drug tests, couldn't qualify at LSU, couldn't qualify at Florida, getting in fights with your head coaches. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. So um, I, I do, I agree. I probably am out on Eric Gilbert. If I can find someone to, to foist him off on, even at 50 cents on the dollar, I think I'd probably do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a, I kind of want to, 
it's tough because I don't, I don't have him anywhere um, because he was very expensive up until all this news started to break. And then once this news started to break about all these other issues that he has, um, you know, it was at that point he, he was still going too high and I wasn't willing to take him there. And he still goes too high, to be honest with you, um, especially after position switched to wide receiver. I mean, I'm with you. I think he's all about the money. I think, you know, the NFL will be like, hey, you need to move back to tight end and he'll eventually end up doing that. But the question is when and, you know, how long does it take for him to listen to people because it kind of sounds like he's getting some bad advice from some people in his corner. And at that point it's like, is he going to listen to coaches? doesn't sound like he's listening to Kirby smart. Who's, you know, probably one of the more respected uh, head coaches in college football, just based on his track record at Georgia there. It'll be interesting to see if he comes back this year. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, Second piece of news here, C.J. Stroud, according to a couple of the local reporters there, uh, is starting to separate himself in the quarterback one conversation at the Buckeyes practices here. That will really, yeah, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, Mr. Matthew Bruning, um, but <laughs> I think um, I think it's Stroud's job at this point. They, they've got to pick a guy soon, So, and I, I think Stroud will be the guy, at least to start the year here. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean... I- Pretty much everybody has kind of been thinking it was going to be Stroud, except for Matt. Um, you know, kudos to him for sticking to his guns. And it sounds like, you know, Kyle McCord gave him a heck of a run, I think. You know, it took him a while to name Stroud the starter, and Stroud was the incumbent. Um, so it sounds like McCord gave him a heck of a run, but sounds like it's going to be C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, so it's, that's big news for Stroud's stock. And then after that, you know, Quinn Ewers is still there. So it's it's going to be tough to for um, McCord to unseat Stroud if he plays well this year. You know, if, if Ohio State does what everybody thinks Ohio State can do, you know, they're probably going to be a playoff team, possibly like a national title contender. So, you know, and, and if CJ Stroud leads them to that, it's going to be tough to unseat him. And then he goes and then Ewers steps in, uh, you know, or – or they both go, but I don't see Ward sticking around, unfortunately. No, he gone. He gone. Um, and we've we've speculated a lot about where he ends up going, um, but that'll be something to watch. I think this is just becoming more official now. So I think anyone that was getting scared off Stroud, um, I think you can you can start to lock that in for this year and start uh, picturing what that offense is going to look like. Third piece of news: JoJo Earl had himself a, reportedly a really big day at Alabama scrimmage this past weekend. Um, other players, staff, guys that watch the game are just raving about how good he looked. Um, what what are we doing with this information? I think we we knew JoJo Earl was good. Um, but I mean, I, I, he's going to play a little bit this year. I'd be I'd yeah. still be shocked if he if he's a you know their wide receiver two or even wide yeah. receiver three probably right. But after that. Yeah, I don't necessarily see him being a starting wide receiver for them. Um, I think he's going to be a very strong rotational piece. You know, I think he could be the Jalen Waddle comparison is is easy, um, but I could see him having that kind of an impact as a freshman. Um, where there were some very talented wide receivers ahead of Jalen Waddle on that depth chart, but you know his talent forced them to put him on the field at times. And I think JoJo Earls is going to do the same. Um, I've never really been off JoJo Earl. 
Uh, I like Jojo Earl a lot. I believe I have him as my wide receiver three in this class, three or four. Um, I like him a lot. And he wasn't on campus this spring. So Aguiye Hall was getting all that hype, but you know, he didn't have a chance to make an impact there this spring. So people kind of forgot about him a little bit. And now it's time to start paying attention to him again. Yeah, his ADP since we saw a peak in um in May, he got down to 49.6. But since then, he's he's lost a full round there. He went 55 in June and then 60 here in July because um, I think people were a little scared off by that. I'd feel a lot better about projecting him for this year if they didn't have Jamison Williams. Right. Because, you know, him and Leary would have been the two fastest guys in the team. And I think, you know, they could have pushed for some more time. But with Williams there now, I think that's less of a concern for the staff. Um, so they'll get some plays here or there. Um, because Leary and Earl both can, you know, do some stuff, you know, they'll, they'll take, take some, some rushes and stuff, you know, sweeps and, and things like that. Um, so th that'll probably be his role here year one. And then, I mean, sounds like maybe wheels up year two. So if you were fading Jojo Earl, uh, perhaps you should not have piece of news. Number four, Caleb hood time at UNC. Wow. If only there was a podcast out there that has been talking about this all off season, you guys could let me know if there is such a podcast that would be great oh yeah <laughs> it was this podcast we said that we, we did that colin did a very nice freshman profile on him in april march it was a long no, time before ago. that it was back in like january okay january yeah, february it, it was a long time ago and we've both you know i i've been saying he is the value of him and edmonds that's been my spiel for months yeah and shocker, Mac Brown says that if the season started today, he'd be the RB2. And I, they're talking like he's looked really good. So it's not even like a, a second by default. I think he, he's really stepped up and taken a hold of that role. Um, so do you have a lot of Caleb Hood, Colin? I have a lot of Caleb Hood. Um, I, I have a good amount of Caleb Hood. Um, you, we're, we're in a lot of leagues together. And you always seemed to take him like right as I was starting to look at him. Um, so I don't have as much as I would like, but yes, I do have a good amount of Caleb hood. Um, he's a guy that, are you sure he's in fan tracks? Cause apparently you thought Clay Millen was in there. <laughs> he's not been in there for months. I mean, that's no, I do know Caleb hood is in there because Caleb hood was used as a placeholder in one of our drafts. Um, I was like, we, when we might want to fix that. <laughs> Literally the most disrespectful thing that's ever happened <laughs> to anybody ever. <laughs> Um, yeah, but no, it's, it's sounding like he's Caleb Hood is, is really established himself. Um, and you know, I mean, he didn't play, uh, football his senior year in the fall, uh, because you know, of North Carolina, you know, so he really spent a lot of time refining his craft as a running back. Cause he was a quarterback in high school. So spent a lot of time refining his running back, uh, his running back skill set, catching passes. Uh, it sounds like that is you know, kind of what's helped him to stand out so much. And I'm, I still like Ty Chandler a lot for this year, but it's, I think it's going to be Caleb hood season after that. I do too. And I, I wrote about it in my ACC preview and that's, that's what we're previewing here tonight. But I basically said in that piece that I, there, there is one role there because him, uh, Caleb hood and, and Kamaro Edmonds are so similar. I think there's only one role there for them, and it just comes down to whether do they end up splitting that role or does one of them win it outright? If one of them wins it outright, right now it's looking like it's going to be Caleb Hood. I think Kamaro Edmonds, conversely, is one of 
and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, one of the worst ADP values in our entire set of ADP. He's been going like in the 70s, and that I, I don't think that's very good value. I, I really think he should be in like the 120s, 130s, like almost double what he's going now. Um, I don't have faith that he ever becomes a something there now because what I personally liked a lot about Edmonds, I thought he was a fine player, but what we really liked about him was the opportunity. That opportunity right. seems like it's no longer there, and I just think people haven't adjusted quickly enough to what is, sh- is shaken out there. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's a real shame with Edmonds because I, I did like his his talent. I thought he was a very talented runner. Like when I watched him the first time, I, obviously the opportunity was the big factor there, but it's not like he's this slouch of a running back who was just situation dependent. I think he's very talented. It just it's very unfortunate that he wasn't able to get on campus. Uh, early he played his spring he played his senior season of football in the spring um, and then he hurt himself uh, as well so it was just kind of one thing after another that uh, a series of unfortunate events if you will to that led to him you know kind of tumbling down the depth chart there a little bit and and not allowing him to establish himself and Caleb Hood took advantage I think we talked about this a few months ago Um, I'm going to lead us right into our next uh, uh, piece of news here that I, I talked about these this triangle of players, this trio of players that like in the 25th to 35th round, I was scooping up in all of my drafts because I thought they were the obvious values in their backfield. One of them was Caleb Hood. One of them was Raheem Sanders at Arkansas. The other was Mr. Jabari Small, who's at Tennessee. <laughs> and well, 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 Jabari Small and Tyon Evans are leading uh, the race to be the two backs that will get some time here at Tennessee. Um, it sounds like maybe Jalen Wright is not in the mix, at least for right now. But we do know that Hypo is willing to use at least two backs at all times, if not three. Uh, his last year is there at, at UCF. He had a three-man rotation. So this is not ruling out Wright. It's just nice to hear that apparently Small, who's in his second year on the roster, um, did a little bit last year, but not not a ton behind Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. And then Tyon Evans, who was the top-rated Juca running back in this year's class, Um so Tennessee sounds like they might have found their guys. We'll see. I'm not sure how fantasy relevant they will be. That offense, I'm going to need to see some more in that offense before I can project multiple pieces. Yeah, I agree. I, I like I, I was all, I was on Jabari Small as well. I have him stashed in a couple of places too because you could get him so late. Um, so I have him in a couple different places and I, I like him. You know, I think there's definitely some potential there, but uh, the reason I was interested in him is because of the value you could get him at. Um, it's not because I think he's going to be some slam dunk fantasy producer this year. We'll we'll see. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I like Tennessee's offense. I like the Josh Heupel offense. I just don't know how good it's going to be here year one. Uh, I think the quarterback play is going to be pretty subpar uh, if Joe Milton kind of wins it out because I. I did not like what I saw from Joe Milton last year in those few games at Michigan. He, he had that one game. Yeah. Uh, mm, one game. <laughs> he, he blacked out it from what I hear in that game. He doesn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't necessarily know how I, I like Tennessee's offense. It should be potent because of Josh Heupel. I don't know if it necessarily will. And then I think that's going to hurt Jabari small, but moving forward, you know, next year, Jabari Small, maybe it's a different story. You know, maybe they kind of write the ship year two for Josh Heupel. He gets some other pieces in there. They get another year in there. So I think Jabari Small is more of a play for 2023, 
2022 or beyond. Um, but I still think he's worth a stash. I do too. And it comes down to a lot of times, I think I went on wide wait till Sunday with Alfred and I talked a little bit about this in a situation like all those guys, like Hood, Sanders, and Small. But I've done it also with um, uh, some of the Bama wide receivers this year, some of the LSU wide receivers. I'll just, I'm happy to sometimes just take the cheapest guy if I think they're talented enough. That's why I have a lot of, well, for a while I had a, the LSU one has changed. <laughs> Like yeah. it started off as as um as Chris Hilton was the cheapest one, and then it went to Deion Smith was the cheapest one, and now it's Brian Thomas. So I have a little bit of all of them, but I have a lot of Christian Leary, I have a lot of Jabari Small, a lot of Caleb Hood. Like these are places where they, they were talented players, and you just take the cheapest one and you hope they work out. And like the great Colin Decker once said, if they end up being a bad player, they're just that much easier to cut. See, there you go. You said you didn't use that strategy, but you did. So. You did to an extent. Um, you just, you take your a little bit of, <laughs> <is just> so <laughs> bad. You take a gamble on a guy, and if it doesn't pay out, it's a little bit easier to cut him. You know, if uh, you know, as long as it's not anything too early, too cost prohibitive. That was the biggest issue I had with Leary. I don't have a lot of Leary. Is he was just still going just a little bit too early for me to want to take a shot on him. Um, I mean, he was my wide receiver six in the class, um, just based on I was a pure, little lower. pure talent. So, um, th that was kind of a no brainer for me for where he was falling and people have just assumed that he's, you know, he's, he's never going to play at Bama. And I just think we, we don't know enough about stuff <laughs> to like accurately predict that really like it's a fair know. point. So, um, we shall see. I will say I have a player like that and he's, we'll, we'll talk about him next year, Colin. Um, scratch everything that I said about Joey Gatewood possibly being a league winner <laughs> like three episodes ago on this show. Might have even been less than that. Like Joey Gatewood uh, at Kentucky, uh, former four-star kid, was at Auburn, transferred to Kentucky. Just uh, dual threat, but not really dual threat. He's mostly leg threat. The arm threat wasn't there. And so he's been beaten out. They've already announced by Will Levis the transfer from Penn State for that starting job. And Gatewood is reportedly going to be entering the portal and transferring out. I, yeah, I said Joey Gatewood could potentially be a league winner because of his, his rushing ability. That is no longer going to be the case. Um, I actually just did uh, my only CFF draft for the year. And I took Gatewood in the last round. <laughs> so I said like, so there, there, Colin, there's my guy that now that's an easy cut. I can make that. There cut. You go. I can go pick somebody else, else up here. Um, so tell me, talk about Will Levis. Tell the people about Will Levis. Since you're the Penn State guy, I know that you were really disappointed he left because he, you just wanted him leading Penn State for the next several years, right? Um, no, <laughs> no, just just a lot of no. It's uh, so. It, they're what a week, like a week into camp right now, or about that. Yeah. So, just the way that this whole thing unfolded. It sounds like they brought in Will Levis and it wasn't actually even really a competition. It sounds like they just were ready to gift him the starting job right away, but they didn't want to do it as soon as he stepped on campus. They wanted to make it look like they look like he earned it or whatever. But, and you know what I said in the tweet too, maybe he improved dramatically in his time off uh, between the the last season with Penn State until he got to Kentucky. I know he was working with a quarterback coach. Maybe he improved tremendously. 
maybe Joey Gatewood really sucks that much. I, I don't know. But it seems more like a situation to me where they already had it in their mind that Will Levis was going to be the starter. Because I don't know how you could watch what he did at Penn State last year and think that this guy is a power five level quarter like quarterback. Like I, I don't see it. Um, he was basically used as a battering ram. They, they were just giving him the ball at the goal line or in short yardage situations to run the ball because he is a bit bigger of a guy. Sean Clifford was atrocious last year. Like he was bad. Um, he cost them a couple games and they were trying to bench him. They did bench him at one point. And then they went back to the atrocious Sean Clifford because Will Levis was even worse. I don't so, even think you can call it a miss. Like they misused him because the couple of times that he did drop back the pass, he was not even putting the ball in the zip code that it needed no. to go to. Like, no, on like you know, a, you know, a little <laughs> out route, like you know, five yards past the line of scrimmage, and he's missing these guys like six feet over their head, like. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they found out that like he's like he needs glasses in the off season. He got glasses or something like James I, Winston. He got I, the LASIK. I, I don't have any other explanation for it. Um, yeah, he was very bad at Penn State, and I actually watched a lot of Penn State last year. Um, because I hate Penn State and I was gleefully watching them <laughs> self-destruct. You were hate watching them. So yes, it was um, it, it was a fun time for me. Um, so and the other the other thing about that situation is he's a pass first guy. Like he's a dual. Like he can run a little bit, but he he's more of a passer. But they don't have that great of a receiving core there. Like you would have thought that Gatewood could be the guy because he's just so dynamic with his legs, and really the only guy they have to throw it to is Wandale. They have like. They brought in a couple of, I think, either like extremely low four stars or, you know, like borderline uh, guys, but they're both like not big. Like they need a year, like a year probably to, to bulk up a little bit and play a little bit more. Um, and, and outside of them, they don't really have that much. And then, and then it's, you know, Chris Rodriguez and whoever else is in the backfield. So I thought Gatewood was just a natural marriage of talent, or, you know, skill from the quarterback versus the talent they have on the roster. So. Maybe Wandale's going to about to get like 150 targets. I, <laughs> I, I don't know who else they're going to throw to with Levis. Yeah, the problem is, can Will Levis actually hit him? I, I don't think he can. I don't, <laughs> we'll see. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if Will Levis just falls flat on his face and we see some Bo Allen. That's another one. He's uh, you know a four-star kid in last year's class, and you don't even hear his name come up. No. So... He must know. be bad. I, I don't know. I guess there's a reason that a four-star quarterback ends up at Kentucky, and it's not because yeah. they really like blue. Um, they <laughs> Gavin <kinda> Wimsett. <laughs> because they they let him get away. Yeah, the whole way up to Rutgers. I don't know. I, I thought that would have been a really good marriage. I think I said that in the Discord today, maybe. Um, you might have. Yeah. You said it at some point. I've I heard you say yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Mookie Cooper. I didn't even know he had an injury until someone posted this tweet in the Discord. Yeah, me today. The coach just like casually is like, oh, yeah, Cooper will be back in 10 to 14 days. I was like, what? Wait, wait, wait. What? what? Go back. Go back. What? Which Cooper? You have more than one Cooper? They don't. <laughs> it's only one. It's Mookie. Um, they say it's like a leg, lower leg injury or something. They said uh, they're hopeful that he'll be ready by the opener. Uh, but So this doesn't change really anything in terms of how I feel about him. But I think if you're planning on starting him week one, maybe you, you reevaluate that decision yeah i think the only thing it changes for me is that i no longer think he's probably going to be like a we, we said on the pod what he's probably like a almost a thousand yard all-purpose yard type of a guy yeah i think you can get About around that. there yeah um 
Uh, that I would probably take the under on that now if he's not quite ready for week one and then maybe they ease him in week two or three. Um, maybe they ramp him up a little bit slower. But beyond that, I, I no, it doesn't really change much for me. I, I still like him. I still like that situation for him. I still and like his talent. He's not going to get usurped. Right. There's nobody to usurp him. Not in Missouri. So, no, no. no. Um, so that that's all I have to say about that. Um, a big one that I think is going a little bit under the radar and I think could have some decent fantasy implications is the injury to JT Shroud who was in competition for that starting quarterback job at Colorado and was probably leaning like 60-40 for him, um, has apparently suffered a significant knee injury in practice this week. I don't think they've given an official diagnosis, but I read an article today that said that, in quotes, it's not good. So <laughs> apparently it is not good. So that, you really need to go check your waiver wires or, or just uh, poke around a little bit and see if Brendan Lewis is still available. A guy, uh, dual threat. He's basically... Like you can do like this entire chain of like Jeff Sims is like the poor man's version of Malik Willis. And then KJ Jefferson is like <laughs> the poor man's version of Jeff Sims. And then Brendan Lewis is the poor man's version of KJ Jefferson. So, so Brendan Lewis is like the poor, poor, poor version of Malik Willis, but very, you know, stylistically very, very similar. Um, he played in that bowl game against Texas and looked okay. Like he looked, you know, Colorado was getting shellacked, so he looked better than whatever else was going yeah. on. Um, but if Shroud's out, he's the guy. And with that rushing upside, I think he he could he's the new Joe Gatewood. He's your new league winner potentially. <laughs> there you go. I'm just pivoting. Uh, it's like the conservation of matter, like the rule, like it's the constant. Like I the cons like I have to con uh, keep that <laughs> that that take somewhere. So it flew over to Brendan Lewis. Now he could be that guy. Yeah, I, I definitely think he could be uh, because he's basically free in every format. Um, yeah, so I mean, he's definitely worth worth the stash there just because, like I said on previously on a couple other shows, like I like to keep like a nice big stable of quarterbacks in C2C leagues just to start on any given week, you know, when, you know, injuries happen or bye weeks or, you know, the season's a little bit more unpredictable in college than it is in the pros. So and you do you do start two quarterbacks, not like super flex. Um, so in most situations, so I like to have a nice stable of QBs. And Brendan Lewis is a guy that you can add to that very cheap, and he can give you some pretty solid weeks and and good rushing floor as well, like you were saying. So, you know, you can start him, and and you'll get something from him. I forget exactly which podcast it was on, but I I became aware of it through Aaron Wilcox, who does the, the Dynasty or Debbie Monocle. I forget which one it is. So he's a good follow. Go check him out. They did a draft a couple months or a couple weeks ago, and someone took Brendan Lewis, I'm pretty sure, in like the fourth round. That guy has a fucking time machine, and we need to go <laughs> figure out what he knows and how he knows it. Because <laughs> they were giving him shit on there, and now that dude looks like a freaking genius if Brendan Lewis like smack. I mean, Still, was fourth stupid, round, still but, a early, but <laughs> but now he looks a lot smarter with that. Uh, so fun when it's like the guy last year that that instead of Saquon Barkley took Matt Barkley in the first oh, round of yeah. Scott Fish, and it like ultimately didn't matter. Like the, yeah. the pick was just burned regardless. So um, good times there. Um, so yes, go get Brendan Lewis. Go get Brendan Lewis. Go get Brendan Lewis. Okay, last piece of news here for tonight before we hop into our cram session. Le'Veon Moss decommits from Alabama. He's a top 10 back in next year's class. I believe he is my RB6. Um, 
he's a six foot one ninety kid. He's got some pretty nice athletic measurables. Uh, four six five uh, verified forty, a ten eight four one hundred meter. He's a little bit. Uh, I think his vert's not great. It's only like thirty three inches, so he's kind of like a little bit of a slower builder of speed, but he's a good back. Um, and it sounds like it's down to probably he was originally like leaning LSU and the Bama kind of came on late. Um, but is also, I think he was at that big barbecue that AM had, AM had a couple weeks ago. Have oh, you heard about this barbecue? I did not hear about this barbecue. AM has not lead. They had this enormous barbecue like three weekends ago or two weekends ago or something. And like every top recruit that was even considering Texas AM was there. And they've gotten a ton of big commitments off of the back of it. And now it's sounding like Moss, maybe the next one. So I think that's just something to keep an eye on uh, as the. Because I think he'll impact the backfield wherever he ends up. He's a very good running back. Yeah, I like Moss um, a lot. I think I have him around the, the RB 6-7 range as well there. I mean, I don't have nearly as big of a sample size as you do. I'm still about like 10-12 deep. Um, but, yeah, so I, I like Le'Veon Moss. Um, you know, if he goes to A&M, that makes it kind of interesting there because they did just bring in LJ Johnson. And they're very similar stylistic. Yeah, I was just about to say that, like a little bit of that, you know, slower build of speed, like some some burst, like so very similar sized. Yeah, they're they're similar players, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah so they're, they're like you said, they're similar players. I don't know if they can coexist. Oh, you're um, telling me we got another Caleb Hood, Kamaro Edmonds situation? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Thought we solved the one. We got one. Now we're on to the next one. There's always we're on to Texas a We're on to Texas a <laughs> Um, I would prefer to see him go to LSU. No, no, no. Shut your mouth. Citizens. citizens there. I don't want that. That's fair. That's fair. Go somewhere else. Maybe he goes back to Bama. Go to Pitt. It's lovely here this time of year. <laughs> what about his? What about Izzy? He's only got one year left, and then he's going to be a, a second round draft pick. He'll be gone. <laughs> fair enough. Wow, you laughed like that's not true. Well, we'll duke that out here in a few minutes. Okay. How's that sound? All right. That sounds good. All right, guys, that's all we have for news for tonight. We try to get through that as quickly as possible, but there's just so much. Um, next up here, we have a we, – should we call him a friend of the show? Is he a friend of the show? Um, Yeah, I guess we call him friend. We call him we'll friend call, of the show. It's we'll acquaintance call, yeah. of the show. Acquaintance or? of the show, yeah. Friend was too yeah. strong. You're right. Yeah, You're right. yeah. Um, uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the man that – Goes to a uh, hotel restaurant, orders a ribeye when everybody else orders a sandwich. <laughs> and gets a pork the chop. Man, the man who pounds <laughs> Cabernet when everyone else is drinking beer. The man who walks down the street and accosts neighbors for a good uh, video shoot. The one, the only, Mr. Felix Sharp. All right, guys. We are joined by... We said we said acquaintance of the show, right, Colin? That is how we classify yeah. this. I don't know if yeah. it's friend of the show or not, uh, but but certainly acquaintance of the show. He is one of the friend of Collins, friend of Collins, friend yes, of Collins. Absolutely, that's a good way to, to without spell a it question. <laughs> He's one of the founders here at the website at campustocanton.com. He does he hosts the Debbie Debate every Wednesday night. Uh, put up puts up with me and Matt. He hosts Sharp Review from time to time. He is one of the guys on Film Nerds with uh, Nick Whalen and Jared Wackerly. The one, the only, Felix Sharp, everybody. Put your hands together. Hey, boys. Uh, hello. <laughs> What's going on? 
Sorry, you we know, had to wake you, you up on you, an app for this. <laughs> you know you have, you know you have a good podcast when your your coworker, your colleagues are like, "Where's the podcast?" When you don't, when it's not, you know, released on time. And who's always asking you that? Who's like, "Whoa, where, where's the pod?" Me and Bruning. Yeah, I was like, "Did I? Did I? Miss? We'll be in the middle of a conversation talking about, you know, finances or something like that." And like, "Did I? Did the, was the podcast released? What are you two doing?" <laughs> We, we were, it's usually we, a scheduling lazy. conflict. We, we were worried here that we weren't going to get you in here tonight. We we're going to have to delay today. And I knew that's first. I'd wake up to four texts in the morning saying, where's the podcast? So <laughs> happy that you could hop on here, Felix. Did you enjoy yourself at the expo here? I did. I did. Um, it was funny seeing every everyone. Of course, Matt Bruning and I immediately played a game of NCAA 14, which, of course, yours truly won. Now, that's, of course, I had Cincinnati and he had uh, San Diego State, but we're not going um, to say anything <laughs> about that. didn't play with Ohio State? Well, we did random teams, and he ended up with San Diego State, and I ended up with with Cincinnati. And you know, anytime he went cover two, I just went over the top to Alex Pierce, and um, uh, you know that's how how I did that. Of course, I played Chris Moxley too in both NCAA fourteen and and ping pong. And um, well, I'm I'm just a competitive guy, so I, you can guess how those turned out. Also, <laughs> I think I was un, undefeated for the weekend. I'm picturing you making Moxley cry for some reason. That's just the image I have in my head. You know, I can't. I need to stay away from those sticks and anything competitive because this just brings out the absolute worst in me. It really does. And you can imagine, and it absolutely brings out the worst in me. Is or is it the best? I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's like uh, it's it definitely brings out the monster in me. So more than a bullhorn does. More than a bullhorn, more than a bullhorn, <laughs> which I just have in my closet now. Well, that's better than where, just having where, that picture of Shaq. Where do that you? <laughs> I, I left that with you. I think. Yeah, I left you that did. You, you left that in my hotel room. I was like, I, I cannot leave that here. Oh, I left it in your bathroom. That. I intentionally yes, put it did. in the bathroom. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just so scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, it's just like, where do people st- store their bullhorns? Where do people store their bullhorns? I that guess should, that no. should be a. We should ask that on Twitter. Where's the best place? To we store should. That, that'll the, be our the best Twitter place bull, to store a bull, bullhorn. And I've got two smaller pictures of Shaq that we didn't. I forgot to use, and I was just like, in some picture frames. So I've got a lot of goodies left over from the expo weekend. Uh, I feel Always like maybe we, we haven't seen the end of those items. Yes. All right. <laughs> Before we talk too long about this stuff. These cram sessions, we're having everybody come on here for those who, who haven't maybe been up to date on the show or first-time listeners. We're asking all of our guests three questions here. We're asking uh, which player is going to help their stock the most this year, uh, which player is going to hurt their stock the most this year, and then we ask for your hottest take. And you've heard Matt's take. You have to go hotter than that. <laughs> so that's the rule. No, Cade McNamara for Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> I can. I've heard match take. I can. We'll see. Perfect. All right. So so let's start off here with the, with the player that helps themselves the most this year. Yeah, I think it's Elijah Canaan. And I mean, you, Austin and Colin, you both know how I like receivers to look a certain way, and and Elijah Canaan absolutely looks that way. But then he gets Brian Harson who I think is going to do wonders for Tank Bigsby, but I think he's going to do wonders for the offense overall. And Elijah Kanan, since his bowl game, where he goes three for 80 after doing nothing as a true freshman, he seems to be the 
the was the focus of the passing game in the spring game. Six catches for 51 yards in the spring game and a touchdown. Uh, obviously a starter there. Um, I just I, I think that we're going to see his stock skyrocket, and I love his value. We have him ranked collectively as the wide receiver 61. I'm the highest on him at 31, but I think that we could very easily see him as a top 15, top 10 uh, wide receiver come Debbie drafts next year. He, I, he has the size and the speed. Maybe he's more of a technician than his predecessor, uh, Seth Williams, was. And um, I, I just I just think that he might be the focus of the passing game there for a new coaching staff for Bo Nix. And so I, I really like Elijah, Elijah Kanan. Hmm. I, I was just about to ask you if you think that he basically is the new the, the surrogate for Seth Williams in that offense over the past few years. Williams in 2019 with Bo Nix went 59 for 838. And then last year went 47 for 760 and four. Do you think that's kind of the range of outcomes for Canyon? Or do you think with Harson there, the potential is even higher? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I would put it around seven, 800 yards. I mean, but that's still a great season, but he could, he could very easily have 10, 12 touchdowns as the red zone threat there. So I don't, yeah, that, that that's what I think. Yeah. I like that's the, what I think. Team. <laughs> I like Preach. the Kane take um, because everybody thinks of Boise State as like, you know, running the ball, pounding the rock, and they do. But they also, they were 49th last year in pass yards. So, you know, they're not like a slouch of a passing offense. And they do tend to funnel those yards to one guy. Um, you know, they funneled them to um, Khalil Shakir last year. He ended up as the wide receiver 12. Uh, the year before that, they had Cedric Wilson uh, who got drafted. Um, you know, by the Cowboys, they kind of funneled the ball to him too. So they, they do kind of pick Brian Harson's offense does kind of pick one wide receiver a little bit more funnel the ball to them. And it sounds like it is going to be Kanan. I think that I'm, uh, I mean, Boise state has been producing offensive talent for, for a very long time. Um, I'm going back all the way to Austin Pettis and Titus young when they were there. And I don't, Brian Harson wasn't there at that time, but, uh, They've been, you know, I think that he's going to bring a little bit of that blue turf magic to to uh, Auburn. And we, I mean, the last two games that Auburn has played, Elijah Kanan has been a focus of their passing game. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Um, that's um, I wasn't wasn't expecting that take. Um no. Because it's not one of the guys that I've heard you hype up here, but uh, I was trying like, to go different. I was trying yeah. to go different, and you look at our rankings, and you know, I've got I've got him at thirty-one. Alfred has him at one eighteen. Austin, you have him at fifty-five. Matt has him at fifty-eight, and Colin, you have him at sixty-seven. So he's just a good value, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, so conversely, there, who's one guy that you think is going to hurt themselves the most this year? Yeah, and this was hard because I had to think of a player whose stock is, you know, somewhat elevated and who might actually hurt their, you know, their, their stock might go down this year. And I picked JT Daniels. Um, the wide receiver core has been injured pretty much all offseason, not even in, including George Pickens, but all of their top receivers have, have been injured. Kiaris Jackson didn't play. It, Kiaris Jackson or uh, uh, Jermaine Burton didn't play in the spring game this past 
Saturday. They lose Eric Gilbert. I mean, he's a traditional drop, drop back passer that's, you know, without his top receiving weapons or has been to this point. Um, and they start off hot. I mean, they got Clemson right away. And why, why would you? If you're Kirby Smart, why would you risk it in the passing game when you can turn around and give the ball to Zamir White, Kendall Milton, Dejon Edwards, uh, and James Cook? And I'm I'm high on Zamir White this year. I think that he started looking different as a running back last year. Um, but why not just turn around and hand it off? Why not just turn around and hand it off and lean on your your defense? So I guess it, it, unless we see some of those wide receivers get healthy. Um, I don't know that we're going to see the best of of JT Daniels. I just don't know that we're going to see the best of him. And smart traditionally, you know, him and whatever coordinator he's had there as his offensive coordinator doesn't particularly like to throw the ball anyway. So like, it wasn't like Daniels was going to be featured, and now you worry that that's going to be even less. I could be absolutely wrong on this because the other thing that I see is Georgia having a strong running game. You have to put eight in the box, and they most definitely had the speed to beat you outside with Arian Smith and Jermaine Burton's one of the most athletic guys uh, in the country. But those guys just haven't been healthy. They did, they haven't been healthy through throughout the spring, and so uh, I'm worried that they might not be healthy once once September fourth um, gets here. And I could be absolutely wrong on that. That's a fun team. That's a very fun team, but um, but you know they're losing some guys who they thought would play a role for them this year in George Pickens and, and Eric Gilbert. So, yeah, I think that's a very underrated storyline that not a lot of people talk about is the injuries to those wide receivers. Because no sooner did Pickens go down than like a couple weeks later, Jermaine Burton had an injury in camp, and everybody's like, "Oh God, here we go." Um, that does sound like you know he's going to be okay. Sounds like it was minor. And he's back, but they were also working back Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint back into the offense. They have um, Blaylock and um, Robertson there, or Robertson transferred out actually, didn't he? Demetrius. Yeah, they, have just, they have Justin Robinson though. So. Justin Robinson. Almost they, the they have a whole confluence of guys there. A lot of them ended up hurt. Arian Smith seemed to be the only guy who stayed healthy the whole offseason. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if those guys don't come back healthy, you know. Why, like you said, why not lean on the running game there when they have so many good running backs? Um, and like you said, he's a they're, they're absolutely a team that could win games, you know, 21 to 17 if they wanted yeah. to, if they wanted to drag things out. I mean, we kind of saw that play out in the uh, uh, was it the Cotton Bowl that they where they yeah. played Cincinnati, Cincinnati. So, um, or they could, they could, they could. Yeah, they could, I mean, they could win games in a phone booth, win fights in a phone booth if they want to, if they want to play that kind of way. So, yeah. And then, like you said, he's a, he's a drop back passer, too. So, like, how high is his NFL ceiling? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what people are complaining with Carson Strong. Like, Carson <laughs> Strong had negative rushing yards last year. I mean, JT Daniels isn't a rusher himself, but I see him in the, at the top of people's Debbie rankings and mock drafts and stuff. So, was that your impression of me? That's what I say about Carson Shaw. Is that what I sound like? That's what you sound like. That's what you sound like. Oh, man. For those who don't know, Austin is a large human. I mean, I stood next to him, um, you know, this weekend. And you just don't you don't notice it in the in the screen when you're looking at someone in, in, in two two dimensions. But you, you stand next to, uh, to Austin and you kind of stand in his in his shadow. So for, for those who don't know. Physically and metaphorically. 
standing in my <laughs> and metaphorically <laughs> and more intell- intellectually also <laughs> all of them all of the adjectives <laughs> yes <laughs> all right felix so this has the, been the most fun one i think we've had with everybody so far what do you think i'm gonna do with this if I, matt says that kyle mccord is gonna win the heisman then where do you think i'm going where do you think i'm going he's not gonna be on the roster on september 4th how about that <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't let you get to your question, but that's my bold take is that we get to September 4th and Kyle McCord isn't on the roster. It's going to be really, really hard to win the Heisman from the transfer portal. I don't think anybody's <laughs> ever done it. So, um, but I mean, it just, it makes sense. It makes sense. And the, the thing about this Kyle McCord um, debate that we've had really since November, I'm the one on Kyle McCord's side, me. I am not Brett Bruning, not even um, I'm for the player here. I was going to say something and I stopped. I'm, but I'm for the player here. I'm saying that it doesn't even make sense. He wasn't on campus last year. You have a, a five star or four was, was CJ Stroud high, a five star, high four star guy who was on campus last year. Who no matter what. You know, in a COVID season, he was in the building. He was going to class. You know, he knew what time practice was, and he wasn't trying to look for his classes. Kyle McCord is on campus as a freshman. He has to, like, figure everything out, figure everything um, uh, out in addition to, like, learning the football stuff. You know what I mean? It's just there's no way he's going to take that job. Listening to Josh Pate the other day, he said he believes that Quinn Ewers is going to be the backup. Which I mean, that makes sense. Why it makes no sense for Kyle McCord to be on the roster come September fourth. It doesn't make sense for his family. It doesn't make sense for his trajectory. He's a good player. He needs to go somewhere else. And 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 quite frankly, hurry and get somewhere else so he can start acclimating to that school, getting used to that offense. So my bold prediction is that by the time some people listen to this. Kyle McCord will be in the transfer portal. <laughs> Man, I like that. Um, I actually, I, I agree with you there. I think that he, if he plays this season with Ohio State, I think it's a big, big mistake on his part. Um, because like you said, CJ Stroud's going to win the job. It sounds like he's already on his way there. Uh, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the episode. And then they didn't just bring Quinn Ewers, the, the best quarterback prospect since Trevor Lawrence in, to sit for you know, three years behind Kyle McCord, you know? So I like Kyle McCord a lot as a player. I really do. I just, if I'm him, I'm pissed that they brought in uh, Ewers early and that should be enough for him to say, I'm done. I'm not playing. Now I know the he's odds a are stacked. The odds are stacked against him and it really has nothing to do with his talent. It all, it has everything to do with timing, which is a big deal when it comes to playing in college football. He just has the wrong timing. And I'll say this again. I'm the only one that's out, out of us, you know, in the campus can circle. I really mean between me and Matt, who's thinking about Kyle McCord's interest, who's thinking about Kyle McCord's interest. It's me. It's me. And I, you know, I, I'm getting DMs from folks. I'm like, I'm thinking about his interest. I'm thinking about his interest. So I know you Kyle like McCord. to say that he's going to be a Toledo. But I know you don't think that the, you know that that level is not his level. Do you have a spot that you like for him? I mean, throw a couple of names out that, that you'd be interested in. Not Michigan. That's a good question because I think of yeah, not Michigan. No, it's not Michigan because I think of Kyle McCord to be like the um, 
what Joe Burrow was for LSU or what we think the quarterback that Washington, the Washington football team will draft next year, like being the missing piece. And so I thought that was, you know, LSU again. But I think Max Johnson is going to be fine there. Could it be like Oregon, though? Could he go in there and, and take over for Ty Thompson? I mean, you've got uh, uh, Troy Franklin and who's the other freshman, uh, Thornton, there that people are really that the people that people really like. Um, I don't know. I have I haven't given it. I didn't give it some thought as to where I would want to see him land, but I, I would love to see him land in a place that like has the pieces already. So that's why I said Oregon. You know, because I got Anthony Brown starting there. I, it, I, that's not I, – I don't know what they're doing there. And so, you know, I don't know. Now I think of a school like that that has the pieces all around and they just need a quarterback to kind of come in there and, and supercharge everything around the program. I've always said – They have I've, the pieces in place. I've always said that Pitt is Kyle McCord away from a national championship. <laughs> um. The look we'll, of disappointment we'll, on Felix's face, as I said. Yeah, that, we'll, just... we'll go with the serious team here. Um, I, I don't love their weapons around him, but I think Florida would be a good place for him. I don't think very highly of Emory Jones as a quarterback. I don't think very highly of Anthony Richardson as a quarterback. Um, you know, so I think that, and I think that Dan Mullen does a very good job of developing quarterbacks. You know, say what you want about. Dan Mullen as a person or whatever, but he develops quarterbacks. He, he puts quarterbacks in the NFL. He got Kyle Trask drafted in the second round, a guy who has, you know, a, a pop gun arm. Um, so I think if you put his talent there, I, you know, I don't see any reason why Dan Mullen couldn't develop him and, you know, it's Florida. So their, their, their weapons are decent at least, you know, let me can I throw this one out there? Cause I, I literally just Googled college football team so I can, uh, <laughs> Get a look. <laughs> because it's easier to look at. We are the experts here at campusdecanton.com, people. It's a, I need to see visually. I need to see visually. But what if you went to the place that Quinn Ewers was supposed to go in Texas? That that uh Quint Ewers originally committed to, and you get Steve Sarkeesian to unlock him. I mean, Austin, you you have I mean, both of you actually have some hot takes on on Hudson Card. I think Kyle McCord is better than 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 Hudson Card. Yeah, and uh, he could beat out Casey Thompson. I mean, what about Texas? What about Texas? What about him and Xavier Worthy working together for the next three years? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good situation with Sark too. And and I'm the biggest Hudson Card guy, uh, one of the biggest Hudson Card guys out there. And and I I will sit here and tell you that as a quarterback, Kyle McCord is better. Yeah, remember when you guys told me that uh, that Hudson Card was going to beat out Casey Thompson? Still hasn't happened yet. No, I don't Hudson, remember that. Hudson Card will start after week one. He will start week two because they'll give it to Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson will struggle, and Texas as a whole will struggle against UL. Gets a very good team, very underrated team, and they're going to just card for a spark. And then I think they stick with card. I tell you what, either Texas's offensive line is really terrible, or their defensive line is really good. But both of those quarterbacks were pretty much tap dancing 
uh, in the backfield uh, in the uh, in the spring game, you know, and that was part of the reason why they looked so terrible. That was really one of the reasons why um, Hudson Card looked so bad because the second string offensive line was absolutely garbage. So, and the first string offensive line wasn't good <laughs> himself. So, um, that's something to watch out for in Texas. Which I mean, I know this is not we're not talking about Texas, but I'm really interested in that first game against uh, uh, Louisiana because Louisiana's got pretty much every starter coming back and. Not a lot of question marks, and Texas still can't can't name a starting quarterback. So it feels like Sark is waiting for Card to take the job, and he just can't do it. Like that's what it really feels like. Like he's dragging this along because he's like, eventually he has to. Like that's why I really have to start Casey Thompson week one. And that's what's going. Sark goes to bed at night thinking that, and I don't know if he'll grab it by by week one or not. Casey Thompson is a man. He's a good player, but he just has a weak arm. He just he just has a weak arm. I mean, you saw him like try to, and I don't understand. Like he throws the ball deep, but you guys, Austin, you mentioned it. He tries to throw that that seam route to Troy Mire in the uh, the spring game, and it the ball just like just dies, just dies midair. But but his first drive, he had like a thirty yard touchdown that should have been that should have been caught that should have been caught. So I don't know. I, I I don't I love I love me some Casey Thompson though. He just doesn't have the NFL arm, or quite frankly a adequate college arm but all right well thank you so much for coming on here for chatting a little bit with us um again you can find pretty much everything felix does at campus to canton.com uh debbie debate the biggest promoter of campus to canton.com out there he is the biggest you should you guys should have seen him with that bull just just you know you guys should have seen alfred which is a whole nother story I, we, we, we're we gonna we're gonna release all that footage and stuff eventually. Here. <laughs> um, it, it will all see the light of day. So, but yes, thank you again for coming on, Felix. Um, you can find Felix at Campus Can at Sharp Review on Twitter. Would if we could say at the beginning here. Um, but beyond that, um, yeah, thanks again for stopping by. You know, one of my favorite things to do at the end of interviews is to stop somebody from closing out the interview, but I just couldn't think of anything else to talk about. So <laughs> I will. We, we waited till Felix was tired and docile, uh, and then we brought him I, up. I will say this. Like, I've been doing more facilitating on Debbie Debate, so I, I got, I, I'm glad that I got to talk over both of you tonight because I haven't <laughs> been able to do that in a, in a long time. I've been more of a more of a point guard, more just distributing, but I was, I was shooting a little bit tonight. So. Rajon Rondo, everybody. <laughs> oh, i'm glad we had felix on we've been trying to get him on here for a while so he, he's yeah. been he's been sending not so subtle uh hints that he wants to come on so yeah yeah he's like man love to do a podcast yeah. that'd be cool anybody know anybody know one that does one twice a week or they talk a little bit of college football i love college football that'd be a lot of fun as um, felix maybe like maybe break down a conference as felix likes to say um <laughs> He Felix is an idea guy, and he'll just text me and Matt at like 3 a.m. And he'll be like, guys, what if we do this? And if I don't like the idea, I just don't text him back. <laughs> you just gave away the like secret. Two days. No, he knows. That. Like, he was like, yeah, you just don't text me back. And then like, the text just sits there for two days, and then we move on. Um, so um, I, I've been ghosting him like that on, on his request to come on. But finally... Finally gave in and, and happy to have him here. All right, Colin. ACC time. Everybody's favorite conference. Yeah. 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 That's not really mine either. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of players here. Probably a third of them are Clemson. 
Yeah. But there, I mean, every team for the most part has multiple. There's really like, like Duke. Duke legitimately only has one player that's moderately interesting, but everybody else yeah. has at least two or three, which is kind of nice. Um, it's a pretty the talent's pretty well spread out besides uh, Clemson and, and and UNC to a certain extent. Um, so if you guys haven't been listening to the shows here, we're splitting these kind of into three categories. Uh, we start off with our must haves. We go into our maybe relevance and then our stashes. And then we'll go over maybe some guys that we are avoiding at current ADP. Um, so we will kick off with the must haves. And as always, start off with quarterback. There are a lot of must have quarterbacks in this conference. And I don't yeah. know how many of them necessarily have NFL upside. Like a lot of them do, but some of them, like I, I don't want to full wholesale fade Jeff Sims. He's one of the guys here, but I don't <laughs> have, like, I don't feel great about him as an NFL guy. It's okay. I finally, I kicked Alfred stayed the play, stayed the night here last night. If he was here right now, he'd be very upset, but he's gone. So, oh, okay. um, um, so Jeff Sims, like Derek King, I don't, I don't think he has an NFL future, Brendan Armstrong, but they're guys that I really want on my campus to Canton roster. So I, I, I put them here. Here's a list of the names. We can kind of talk through them. Got DJ Uyongalele at Clemson. We've got Sam Howell at UNC, Jeff Sims, Georgia Tech, De'Eric King at Miami, Phil Jerkovic at Boston College, and Brennan Armstrong at Virginia. So I guess you have to start with DJU, who is the top quarterback in our rankings, I believe, the top quarterback in our ADP, 64250. Uh, had those two big games last year, one against Boston College, where he completed 73% of his passes for 342 yards and two touchdowns. And then the following week against Notre Dame, where they lost, but he still had a fairly strong performance, completed 66% of his passes for 439 yards and two touchdowns. Definitely did not look like the moment was too big for him. Is he your QB1? Yeah. Yeah, I moved him up to QB1 now. Um, yeah, had to move him up to QB1 just based on, you know, traits and what he did last year. Um, Spencer Rattler is, is close for me. Um, but, you know, I still worry a little bit about, about a little bit about Rattler. Started off the year a little rough last year. Um, seemed to pull it together at the end. I think he's going to have a big year this year. So the, 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 they are very close. But what it really comes down to is DJU's tools are just insane. I mean, his arm is probably the strongest in college. I I mean, if not, it's definitely so I, top three. I'm not sure. This will get some blowback. This will some pushback. I'm not sure he has the strongest arm in his own class. Really? Bryce Young has a really nice arm. He does. He does. Um, I guess I just see DJU as having more of like a howitzer of an arm, like a lot. He oh, yeah. It's puts, a bazooka. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess you just, I just don't really see bright. And maybe it's a size thing. You know, maybe um, it's, it's because of the size that like it seems like Bryce Young doesn't have as strong of an arm as DJU. Bryce Young definitely is a strong arm. Very, very strong, very capable, definitely NFL caliber. But I, I think. DJU probably has the strongest arm between the two. Meh. <laughs> um, they both have great arms. Yeah, this isn't yes. fading one in favor of the other. Yeah, because apparently most people think you can't have a discussion if, like, if you if you're saying one guy's great, you're saying the other guy sucks. If you like apples, you hate oranges. Yeah, there's no in between. Right. No, um, DJ is my QB one too. Yeah, I think it's very obvious at this point. He's the only player that. I would consider taking the 101 over Bijan. 
and it's I still prefer Bijan. I, I there hasn't even been a time where I've had a one one this year, and I've flipped it and gone DJU instead. Um, but I think he's the only player that's on that level. Yeah, I would agree with that because he's gonna. Cr- I mean, we we saw him in two games last year, crush. One now he's against gonna, Notre Dame. He's obviously going to have to do it for a full season, but you feel pretty good about him because he can run too. Yeah. You know, in those two games, he had six rushes and 13 rushes. And I think they didn't really unleash him. No. I think they were pretty conservative with him because if he got hurt, they had nobody behind him until T-Law came back. Well, that's the problem this year. They have nobody behind him. But Oh, you mean the guy that just tore his Achilles four months ago doesn't bathe you in confidence? (laughs) No? Okay. Not unless he's Russian. (laughs) And the guy that's leaving for the Pirates, that doesn't give you confidence either? No. Okay. Yeah, that's all they've got. And then it's like walk-ons. Yeah. So um, they maybe Joey Gateway. Oh well, it's too. I think it's too late um, to enroll and play. That's somewhere. fair. Um, That's fair. Because uh, uh, Samson James, which we didn't talk about in the news, because no one gives a crap, but just left Indiana for Purdue, and people were so, oh, he's going to play, and it's like, no, he's not going to play this year. Um, but but yeah, so DJU QB one should be, and he's the top dog in this conference. But they also have Sam Howell. Uh, so six one two twenty. ADP of five last month and four overall. So not that much of a difference there. Uh, scored 26.1 fantasy points per game last year, which was good for a quarterback 16 overall with a guy for a guy that doesn't have a crazy rushing upside. That's awesome. The past yeah. two years, he's thrown as a true freshman in 2019. He threw for 3,600 yards and completed 61% of his passes. And he followed that up last year by also throwing for 3,600 yards, but he bumped his completion percentage up about seven points um, and and got that achieved that yardage in one fewer game and 80 fewer attempts. His yards per attempt went way up. Um, his, his touchdown interception ratio went down a little bit, but I think that, you know, 38 to seven versus 30 to seven, not significantly different. Probably still a little bit of touchdown luck here or there. Um, his rating went way up. He's a guy that improved in most facets. The thing that holds me back about him, because I know I'm like pumping this guy up, and you're like, well, Austin, you say don't take a quarterback early. Like, <laughs> what are you what are you doing? I'm not, he's like a floor guy to me. Yeah. Which I know some people really hate when you say that, but for like I just don't see his ceiling is slightly less mobile Baker Mayfield. I think he's a better passer. I think he's a little bit better of a decision maker. Well, so, so he and I, I'll prep because I know what you're about to say. Um, he was my QB one in that class, Baker. Mm-hmm. And I know a certain somebody had a certain Arizona Cardinals draftee as their number one quarterback in that class. You never liked Baker. Admit it. It's not that I didn't like Baker. I I just liked Darnold a lot. Baker was Baker no, was my you QB. Didn't f- like Darnold a lot. You I mean, Rosen, 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 Rosen. I'm sorry. It's even worse. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, no, Baker was my QB four in that class. Uh, it was Rosen, Darnold, Jackson, Baker. Um, and then Allen, who I missed on. I did not like Allen. I missed on Allen, too. <laughs> I said, like, his ceiling was like Matt Stafford. And he just yeah. like, totally blew that doors off that last year. Um, yeah. So kind of kind of fucked that one up. But. Yeah. So it looks like I may have had that flipped the other way. Maybe it should have been Allen, Baker. No, Jackson probably over Baker, but almost flipped. I had Rosen was definitely the worst. Okay. But and I mean, that's probably Darnold. That, that's still a very good player though. It's just not, there's not, he doesn't have DJ's rushing upside. And that's a huge, right. you know, difference maker in, in today's game. Um, 
do we think he's a QB one for CFF purposes this year? I think it's close. Yeah. Are you willing because, to say that he will be or it won't be officially on the record for the people? Um, on the record, um, <laughs> you know, if, if you're going to make me say it, yeah, I'll say, yeah, he will be. Um, I think that offense passes a little bit more than they did last year just because they don't have the uh, they don't have the uh, the running backs that they had last year. I mean, they're still going to be a running team, but they're not going to have two guys who are going to go over a thousand yards. They're not going to have Javante Williams, Michael Carter that they're going to you know feed the rock to a lot. It's now the Caleb Hood, Ty Chandler show which are very good in their own right, I think, but, you know, uh, not quite as good as those do that duo. So I think they are going to pass the ball a bit more. Um, And he was QB 16 last year, Um, you know, with he had eight less touchdowns than the year before. I think he goes over over 30 touchdowns. You know, he's probably up closer to the 35 to 40 range this year. So, yeah, Um, I think he could sneak into the back end of a QB one. He could be be 10 to 12. It'll be close. It'll be really, really close. QB 16 last year. I'm going to say he's not a QB one. Uh, but yeah, I think he's going to be close. Um, next up, um, Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech, 6'3", 210, ADP overall of 155. It was 130 this past month. Uh, fantasy points per game last year. He averaged 20.7 per. Uh, ended up QB uh, 46 on a per game basis. Um some red flags for him, but as a true freshman, I don't think like I liked him last year and I, I said he shouldn't be playing. He shouldn't be playing. They did like KJ Jefferson kind of suffered from the same thing his freshman year at Arkansas, but Sims last year completed 55% of his passes and had a 7.3 yards per attempt and a 13 to 13 touchdown interception ratio. He struggled. Yeah, he struggled, but he's got the tools. You can kind of see the player in there. I just don't feel that great about him developing, but I don't want to write him off after a, a a true freshman year that was impacted by COVID and all this other stuff. Right. I don't want to write him off either. And I'm not writing him off because he said he's very toolsy. Um, he completed 54.9% of your passes. That's tough. A one-to-one TD to INT ratio. That's tough. Um, so I'm not writing him off, but I'm not very confident in him. And we can get into it in the avoid section, but you know why take Jeff Sims at that range when you can take poor man's Jeff Sims, KJ Jefferson much later. What about poor man's KJ Jefferson, Brendan Lewis? <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole Even chain later. of it's a chain of them. They just keep going. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think he's probably in avoid at that ADP too. We can chat about that here in a few minutes. Uh, Dear King at Miami. Uh, 5'11", 195, ADP 179 last month and 181 overall. He's been very consistent uh, across the past several months. Uh, He averaged 25.4 points per game last year, which was good for QB 23, which is actually slightly lower than I thought um, because he had that just that that amazing year at Houston a few years ago. But, um, you know, he he completed 64% of his passes last year, which was not bad, 2,700 yards. Uh, 23 touchdowns to five interceptions and added a couple hundred yards on the ground as well. Um, I've made my thoughts very well known throughout. You know, we've talked about him a bunch of times with the you know the, the elevator pitch version of it. I don't think he's an NFL quarterback, and I think he's he's not an all. He's a better passer than Jeff Sims, but the problem is that he doesn't 
like he can't get enough receivers involved and they have so much talent there and he runs just enough to make the running back the running backs not count he just totally wipes out an entire roster for fantasy purposes and he's the only one you want which is really freaking annoying because i like a lot we'll talk about it in the, the stashes section they have a lot of receivers that I like that, that are kind of stashes for when Jake Garcia hopefully takes that job next year. And I like like the running backs are all solid. None of them yeah. are crap. So it's just he's such a fantasy suck. Like just <laughs> he's like sucking the souls out of the rest of his teammates so that he can thrive. It's just freaking annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, that very good point. Very well said about that, too. Uh, the only thing I'll add with the Eric King is. Um, you know, remarkable recovery here from the ACL that he tore back in like December, uh, eight months removed. Sounds like he's pretty much full go or will be full go for the start of the season. But he's a running quarterback coming off of an ACL injury. Um, so I worry a little bit about his mobility there. And then, man, if Miami was smart, they would not start him week one against Bama because it does not going to matter whoever they put in there. I think whoever they put in is going to lose to Bama. You should just um, dig a grave for Derek King right now. Yeah, like don't start him week one if you want to have him at the end of the year because he if he starts week one, he may get destroyed. And then it could be Jake Garcia time, and then it helps out all your guys. Yeah. All your stashes. Yeah, you know, he must make the ultimate sacrifice for, for all the other guys to, <laughs> to thrive on that team. Yeah, I, I'm out on him. Uh, two more guys here in the, in this section. Phil Jerkovic, who's at Boston College, 6'5", 226. He's a big boy. Got that traditional quarterback size. Uh, ADP overall, uh, 122 last month and 114 overall. He scored 20, almost exactly 20 points per game last year, which was QB 52 on average. Uh, it was his first year at Boston College. He originally, he's from Pittsburgh area, went to Notre Dame um, and didn't really play much there. So, so he left last year, completed 61% of his passes for about 2,600 yards, uh, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. Some people like uh, him as a sneaky first round quarterback next year for the NFL. Do you think that he, that's realistic for him? Um, no, I don't. Honestly, he's, he performs very well outside of the structure, outside of structure, very good on the move, extends plays really well. Um, you know, he can find guys as he's scrambling, keeps his eyes downfield. Uh, he just, he doesn't look great all the time inside of structure. His mechanics are a little wonky at times. His footwork's not great. So I think he needs to clean all that kind of stuff up. I honestly, I don't think he's going to come out this year. Um, he's a, a red shirt junior. So he could stick around for another year. I don't think it hurts his stock if he sticks around for another year. You know, I think he's probably at this point likely a late second round, more like a third round guy at this point. Uh, and I don't think, you know, barring an epic collapse, I don't think he gets worse than that. You know, I think he probably will just stay there. I think that's just kind of his destiny. Um, but I think going back for another year after this year will, will give him a better chance to at least increase his stock. It, it's so hard for a quarterback at a school like Boston College to get themselves into the first round conversation. Matt Ryan. I, and I was about to say, like, you just have <laughs> to have an otherworldly season. Like, you really have to just raise the level of everyone on that team so much. I just don't see Jerkovic being able to do that. I yeah. think he has Zay Flowers, and I think him and Zay will continue to have their connection. They have a couple other guys that there that are on what's like Trey Barry or whatever the tight end. They have um, uh, Jalen Gill, a former OSU guy. 
uh, a lot of unproven running backs, but they, they, there's not a lot there for him to kind of work with. So I doubt that that happens, but I agree. And I think he came out today actually and said, like, I, I'm still trying to work on the mechanics. I'm still trying to work on the footwork. Um, not exactly what you want to hear from your quarterback about three weeks off uh, out from kickoff, but um, here we are. Yeah, not, not what you want to hear uh, this close. Who do they get week one? I'm not mm, sure. That's a good question. I'm not sure they get week one, but um, yeah, I th- think they have a decent non-con schedule. It ha- no, it's really weak because I know um, oh. when I talk to like some of the guys that do a lot of the college best ball, they mm-hmm. say if you take Dustin Crum, that Jerkovic is like the perfect quarterback to get on the other side because Crum has an incredibly hard, uh, difficult mm-hmm. early season schedule. Um, so they like the, the two of them uh, kind of merge together perfectly. I'm trying to pull up what they're okay. So they play, oh, wait, hold on. They play Colgate week one, UMass week two. Temple week three and Mizzou week four. And then they have Clemson. But that's, I mean, that's three extremely winnable games and one probably solid competition there in Mizzou. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I was thinking of like the Mizzou game. I knew they had like a decent game there early on in the season. But yeah, I, it's very winnable. So. Um, you know, maybe he starts off hot, but you know, he's still in the ACC. So it's, it's not an easy slate. No. Um, last guy in this category, Brennan Armstrong at Virginia. One of my guys, uh, here this year, six, two, two fifteen. He has a, an ADP of 240 last month and two thirty eight overall, uh, 26.8 points per game last year. So he was QB 15 on a point per game basis. And, um, not an NFL guy, as we've talked about on the show before. You know, completed less than 60% of his passes, 2,100 yards, 18 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. You know, his yards per attempt wasn't high. He's He doesn't look great, but he provides a very nice rushing floor, and I think the circumstances there are similar for him this year. I think, I think you can count on a similar season uh, for him in 2021. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think you can count on... QB 15 to QB 10 range. He's going to put up some really nice numbers. He's going to give you a really nice year this year. Um, but like you said, you know, not not really an NFL guy. Uh, he'll be a redshirt junior this year, so you'll probably get two years out of him. So he is a guy that I do like to take. Um, but yeah, not, not really an NFL guy. So, you know, but that ADP that he's at, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's like, I love Dustin Crum and he's Crum will outscore him, but you only get Crum for one year. Right. And that's what's so nice about Brennan. Like you said, he gets that second year and that's worth for a college, a college producer only. That's worth something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had a lot of quarterbacks. We have a lot of running backs, a lot of good players in the ACC. And I think it, there are more players that I like for, for campus to Canton in the ACC than in the big 10. Truly. You, truly. You're an ACC Homer. <laughs> you caught me. You caught me. <laughs> no, I, I actually, um, especially in terms of fantasy, yeah. college fantasy production, I agree with you. The The Big Ten offenses are still kind of stagnant. Um, you know, you got Wisconsin there who, you know, they have a couple pieces this year, but then you get like Iowa's, Nebraska's. The spread you know, hasn't Michigan's, made its way there yet. It really has. Oh, mm, Penn State. Penn, mm-hmm. Mike Yurchich runs a spread offense. Yeah, but you have Sean Clifford running it. Next year, Drew that's Allen. like put that's like putting a moped motor in like a freaking Porsche. Like, 
the, putt, 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 down the, the street. The new motor's coming, baby. The new uh, motor's it coming. It is. Drew Aller. Yes, yes, This it isn't is. a Big Ten preview, though. So no, let's, it's let's... not. All right. Let's get, we've already <laughs> talked enough here. Let's keep going. <laughs> this right. is going to be a long one. <laughs> this has to start with Jameer Gibbs. It has to. You know, one of the top running backs in all of college football right now. 5'11", 200. He gained a little bit of weight. That's great to see. Uh, ADP right now is was seven last month and eight overall. So again, very consistent. Average sixteen point three points per game last year. Was that half PPR, Colin, or was it full? I think it was half, right? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure because I pulled this from one specific league. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that league. I'm pretty We're sure in that's half. Yeah, I yeah. think I think it's a half. Um, so RB fifty two overall in seven games. Uh, 89 rushes for 460 yards and four touchdowns, and then 24 catches for 303 yards and three touchdowns. He is, if not the best pass catching running back in all of college football, he's top three along with, you know, Ronnie rivers and whoever else you want to put in that conversation. <laughs> but, uh, legitimately, I just think he's, uh, we talked about this a little bit on Debbie debate, like for fantasy purposes, I think, or no, at first, sorry for actual running back purposes, like not fantasy, just, you know, his floor, in my opinion, is Aaron Jones, who if it wasn't on the Packers, Aaron Jones wouldn't be Aaron Jones, if that makes sense. Right. I think if he was on the Texans, that's a different conversation we're having. Still a good player, but, you know, not 15 to 20 touchdowns a season kind of guy. But that's his floor. And Alvin Kamara is the ceiling, in my opinion. That That is the, you know, he is, I feel like he's almost locked in to that sort of range as an NFL guy. I just love his talent. I love his vision. I, I love his shiftiness with the ball in his hand. He's got great hands. He's a good runner between the tackles. Georgia Tech does not give him a lot of support, though. Right. That's the big concern there, at least in terms of college production, is, you know, I mean, he had seven touchdowns last year through sets all-purpose um, through seven games, so he got one a game, so that was nice, but I don't expect that to be a, a high touchdown offense i don't expect them to score a lot of points um so you know he has to get his volume through you know his, his points through volume i don't necessarily know how many plays they run either they're not the most up-tempo offense out there either so college fantasy purposes you know he ended up as the rb 52 that that i think that's a floor i mean he's gonna he's gonna beat that this year but you know he's not like Tank Bigsby is going to be. He's not like uh, Isaiah Spiller is going to be. He's not like Brees Hall is going to be in terms of college production. But in terms of pro potential, he is right there, if not even maybe a little bit higher than a couple of those guys I just named. Um, and then seeing him add on that weight too was was big. Um, you know, getting to 200 pounds, that's nice. Um, you know, and then I think by – yeah, he'll be a sophomore this year. I think by the time he comes out, which will likely be his junior year if he's smart, um, you know, I don't think there's any reason why he can't get up to you know two hundred five, two ten, uh, and still keep that same dynamism. He's got he's got some frame left on him. He yeah. does if if he chooses to to put on a few more pounds. I think that that ability is there for him, um, and he also benefits a little bit from the fact that Jeff Sims has a very not a strong arm, but he can't. Efficiently and effectively push the ball downfield. So I'm hoping that means, but I think 40 catches for for him is not out of the question this year. No, no, not at all. He had 24 through lot. seven games last year. That that's, that's a, a true lot freshman. for for a college running back. Um, but I I think that's definitely within a range of outcomes there for him. Next guy on the list. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about Will Shipley first. 
<laughs> Will Shipley here, 5'11", 200, true freshman running back at Clemson. He was the RB2 in this year's class overall. He has an ADP of 35 in July and overall. It's the same. Um, he We talked about on the last episode, they've been talking about just he's the fastest guy on the team, basically, just crazy, crazy athlete. They've got a lot of bodies there which was kind of tempering my expectations, but as we talked about, but now I, I, it sounds like the, the staff really likes him and it wouldn't shock me if by week eight, Will Shipley is getting, you know, 60% and then the other two guys are getting like 20% each. Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely think that's in the range of outcomes. Um, I think it's probably more likely to be like, a, you know, maybe he gets 50% and the other guys get 25 or he gets, you know, 40% and it's just like a total timeshare all around. Um, but I think he definitely works his way into a role in that backfield this year. Um, especially cause like you said, it sounds like he's going to be the most dynamic guy on that field. Um, you know, week in and week out for a very, very good Clemson team. I mean, Clemson has a lot of good players on that team. Like you're going to see here as we talk about throughout this episode, you know, this is very Clemson heavy and Will Shipley's probably the most dynamic guy on the field from, from what we're hearing. So I think he works his way into a role. Uh, it's nice to see him get up to 200 pounds as well. Like you just mentioned with Gibbs, you know, I think he can still pack on a couple pounds, mm-hmm. not lose a whole lot. Um, so I, I was probably a little bit too low on Shipley as well. But I also think something else with Shipley too is you know, I need to see more from him as an actual running back. You know, he, I feel like a lot of his runs off of his tape that I was watching for high school was him just kind of getting an edge and then just outrunning everybody. I need to see him work between the tackles a little bit more. Yeah, I would agree with that. The one thing that I think he really, and I didn't, I was kind of just thinking about this as you were talking, because I don't really ever listen when you talk. My mind just wanders. No, that's um, I do the same thing as <laughs> I'm talking. Um, he, they, so as we're going to talk about a little bit here, when we get to the receivers, like all of their receivers, except for Choice Delato, were the same exact person. Yeah. Like they're all like six two to six they're just, four. They're just cookie cutters. Like two hundred to two hundred and twenty pounds. Like they're all the same exact player, basically. But I think he can give them something different in the passing game. I think that will be a really interesting role to see what that eventually carves out to this year. Um let's let's uh let's continue on here. Um I'll talk about him here. Israel Abanaconda, running back at Pitt, second year guy, um, five eleven, two fifteen was the RB. 30 i believe in his class or 35 or something like that when he came out out of uh state of new york adp right now is 213 last month and 235 overall talked a little bit about previously i wrote my 10 bold predictions for the season and i am predicting him to be a top 50 startup selection by this time next year i think he's been they have nothing but just amazing glowing things to say about him at pit this offseason for their spring game they had the players like a sandlot choose the teams he was the first overall pick on the team the, the guys there love him he's got nfl size now he's an nfl level athlete he can catch the ball i don't i think narduzzi still gives the touches to some of those other guys so maybe he's not necessarily consistently startable this year but i think his nfl potential is extremely high yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like his NFL potential there. Like you said, he's got the size now. He's bulked up a little bit. Very, very good athlete. Um, you know, catches the ball pretty well, like you were saying. So I like that aspect of it. But I do agree with you, too, that I think his ceiling is very limited in Pitt's offense. Um, 
this year, particularly because they do have a uh, Davis there that they'll likely give a lot of a lot of the carries to. Although it's sounding like Izzy might be the uh, the RB one heading into this year, based on what he was been saying, but. I just feel like they're always going to have somebody who that they also distribute the ball to and they just hand off. So I don't know if he'll ever be a bell cow there in college, but he's going to have some highlight real plays this year. Some plays that may that you're going to see posted on Twitter over and over and over again, where people start hyping him up to the point where, you know, I don't I don't think it's crazy to say that he's a top 50 pick next year in C2C um, in Debbie. You know, I think definitely, I think he'll he'll end up being a top fifty guy. Yeah, he'll he'll go in Debbie drafts next year. Yeah, I, I think if he hasn't already, um, I just really like his potential. I was bummed the Nard Dog doesn't play freshman. I was shocked that Addison <laughs> played Nard a lot Dog. last year. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I have very very high hopes, high hopes for him. Another guy here that I love that I have a lot of, Jashon Corbin of Florida State, six foot two twenty one, one eighty nine ADP last. Uh, month and 188 overall so very consistent there only averaged 10 points per game last year we've talked a lot on this show Colin about Mike Norville and you want Mike Norville running backs previously uh, at Memphis produced Daryl Henderson Kenny Gainwell Tony Pollard Antonio Gibson at Memphis he did all that at Memphis he gets to go to a school that people actually kind of want to go to at Florida State Corbin is just a very talented guy you know, last year in nine games, 401 yards and five touchdowns, and then caught 19 balls. He's dual. He can do. He can contribute rusher pat and pass catcher. Um, I just I and that ADP to me is it would probably be lower than that, but I think I take him way earlier than that when Same. I'm drafting. Like I take him in like round like nine. Um, at like the one eighty that one eighty eight is is crazy to me. Yeah, that's insane. I, I love Deshaun Corbin, too. I've been hyping him up all offseason. I take him anywhere that you don't. I have him. I think it's his ADP It would probably be lower than that if it wasn't for you and me because I, I'm taking him constantly in the round nine range, 10. You know, I'm taking him right around there every time because I think last year was his floor. Um, 10.0 fantasy points per game, the RB138. I think he smashes that this year. I think he absolutely does. Um, you know, last year was a weird year, and it was also year one in Mike Norvell's offense. Florida State's offensive line was absolutely atrocious. Um, they had, you know, a cycle of different quarterbacks there, and then they end up on Jordan Travis, who's not really much of a passer. You know, I think they go with Mackenzie Milton this year, who's going to open up the offense as a whole, and that's going to lead to good things for Deshaun Corbin. Uh, I think he has a really big year this year. I really do. They have to protect Milton. Yes. And that leads me to believe that he gets I think they'll rotate all those backs in a little bit, but I think he gets the lion's share. And it would not be shocking to me if he's an RB2 for fantasy this year. It, it really, really would not with how I think that offense can flow. Next guy up here, Travion Cooley, running back at Louisville, a guy that I was much higher on than his RB25 um, on the composite. 5'10", 200. ADP right now is 98 in July and 108 overall. Last year, um, he obviously true freshman was not on the team, but their leading running back, Javian Hawkins, averaged 18.7 points per game, which was good for RB32. Cooley is probably not the starter this year. In fact, I feel very comfortable saying that he did not. He was not an early enrollee, or he was, but didn't practice. Or no, he wasn't early enrollee. I don't think he was. Uh, but he his his senior year was canceled at high school. 
So he hasn't played football in over a year. They have uh, Jalen Mitchell and Hassan Hall. Is this Hassan Hall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had this discussion the other night, didn't we? They have Hassan Hall and there's Hassan Haskins too. Yes. Stupid. Yeah, Hassan um, Haskins, Michigan. <laughs> how, how are there two Hassan H's? I don't I don't understand. Um, but yeah, I think the depth chart right now has Mitchell one, Hall two, and then Cooley is third. Um, so I, I don't see that much run this year. He's a true stash for the future, but super talented kid. Is that uh, ADP of 98, though, a little too early for you, Colin? It, I think it, it is for me. It is. And you, you were the guy that I heard first like really on Travion Cooley I know there were a lot of other people who were on him as well um I believe Corey P was on him pretty quick too um but I think you were the first person that I heard really to start talking him up there and you know ever since the 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 Devi community the C2C community a lot of the analysts have really been hyping him up to a point where his ADP is tough to swallow um I actually don't have all that much Travion Cooley because I think like you said I yeah, I think he ends up being third on that depth chart this year and people are going to see that they'll probably get a little bit frustrated and I think you're going to be able to get him cheaper next year or throughout the year this year yeah because Mitchell last year was his first year mm-hmm. he's going to be there now whether they end up becoming like a complimentary role because Mitchell's bigger he's like 220 um, not a bad athlete but not you know he's not he's not on the same level as like Deshaun Corbin even though they're similar size as an athlete um, so th- there might be room for both of them there, but yeah, I don't think Cooley really does much this year. It wouldn't even surprise me if you red shirts. Um, so I think we really need to temper the expectations there. Um, and that ADP is just slightly high for me. Uh, next guy on the list here is Zonovan Knight at NC state five eleven two ten, a popular, um, potential breakout guy, especially for some of the guys here at the site. I think Alfred likes him a lot. And I think yeah. Mox does as well. Um, ADP of 74 right now uh, in July and 80 overall averaged 14 points per game last year. They give the ball to Ricky person way more than they should. <laughs> I don't understand what that coaching staff is doing. Um, but are, do you, are you son of a night guy? You think he breaks out this year and can get like a day two uh, draft capital? Um, like you said, they give the ball to Ricky person too much. I think for him to truly break out. Um, now, if you start looking at maybe some of the more advanced metrics, like I know Jarek's a big um, weighted, a uh, big uh, backfield dominator rating, um, you know, and then uh, rush yards per team pass attempt, I think, or one of those. Um, I- I'm not a data guy, but I know there's some efficiency metrics that I think he's going to smash. I think he's going to have a very efficient year this year. I don't think he's going to see the volume stats that people are, are kind of thinking he will. Um but I could see him if he leaves after this year. I could see him getting some day two draft capital, which is kind of what you're looking for there. Um, but I, he also catches the ball well too. Last year, splitting time with person, he had 20 catches um, last year. So you know you maybe want to see a little bit more, but 20 catches isn't is nothing to sneeze at there. So, but the ADP is a little high for me. Uh, I do not have very much. Zonovan Knight just always seems to be a bigger Bam fan than me in the in the league. I think I have him in one place. And you know, similarly as we've talked about um, with you know Carson Strong and Matt Corral to an extent, and Jaden Daniels, and some of these eligible guy guys at quarterback for next year, we're trying to kind of figure out who that QB three is going to be, and so they're probably going slightly earlier than they should as people kind of try to put that puzzle together. Yeah. So, so goes the running backs after Brees Hall and, um, and Isaiah Spiller. And obviously in, in our 74 ADP overall is not 
um, you know, necessarily a significant investment. I wouldn't say not like you have to spend on a strong or a corral or, or somebody like that, but it feels higher because you're kind of saying, well, there's nobody there at RB three. Maybe he could become that. There's a lot of guys kind of competing for that. I, I think like Jerome Ford has a better chance of that. I think Deshaun Corbin probably has a better chance. I was chance literally of that. just going to say that. I, there's a couple guys that I think I would, even if I like Zonovan's talent, I think have a better chance of doing that. And I can get later, later. or I, I like Ford goes in that range too. So um, that's just my opinion on that whole situation. No, I agree with you. All right. On to the wide receivers here, guys. We're still on the must haves for everybody keeping track at home. <laughs> um, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, five. I can't count. Whatever. Um, Math's hard. It is. Justin Ross, the top dog here, 6'4", 205, ADP of 50 last month and 44 overall. Um, didn't play last year. Had that that degenerative neck injury that seems to be corrected. He has been uh, cleared for the all-go. As a true freshman, true freshman on a team with T. Higgins, 46 for 1,009. Really broke out. Then disappointed the next year. More catches, 66, but the yardage went way down. He only had 865 yards, eight touchdowns. Didn't look like the same player, even though the usage was almost identical. Um, so, But he's going to play in the slot this year, they're saying. If he looks like he did that second year, that's he's not going to work. If he looks like he did that first year, maybe. Yeah, I think the idea of playing him in the slot is very intriguing um i think that it is at least gonna show you what his role will be in the future can he be an alpha where he they can just move him all over the field put him in several different you know spots line him up mismatch nightmare and you know really have a shot at you know a wide receiver one future or is he gonna be more of a Mike Williams-esque guy where he's kind of pigeonholed into one spot uh, and just kind of has a similar role. And he'll put up some decent weeks for you there. I'm not comparing Ross and Williams, um, you know, skill set. I'm just saying like they're just generally, you know, they'll have one role, you know, that'll be consistent. Yeah, you know, they put up a couple weeks for you here and there, but they're not really anybody that you're you love and you're fighting to get. Yeah, I mean, and as we're going to talk about more here, those receivers are all the same. So, But I think Ross, his, a part of his value comes from the fact that we think DJU is going to crush this year. So we won his weapons, and every other guy there has so much uncertainty. Ross has a different kind of uncertainty. Right. But he's at least locked in if he stays healthy for the entire you know, He'll get the targets. So that's why I think you see his ADP there, and then the other guys are way lower than that. The next three guys, I'm kind of just going to put in a group here, kind of the undersized guys, we'll call them a little bit. We've got Josh Downs at UNC, 5'10", 180. Um, averaged, did he really average 16.9 points per game last year? I mean, I guess he only played four games. Oh, sorry, that's for Diami Brown. Oh, I'm sorry. okay. I was like, what the hell? I forgot to put that on there. Yeah, gotcha. no, that was that's for Diami Brown. That's what Diami Brown had. What did um what did Daz Newsom have, though? Because he's going to be playing the Daz role. That's a great question. Um, give me one sec here. Sure. Daz Newsom averaged 11.5 points per game. And that was good for the wide receiver 104. But 
I don't see anybody necessarily playing that Diami Brown role as well as Diami Brown played that role last year. So no, it might be his brother. Um, some other guys in contention there as well. But um, yeah, so John, or Josh Downs is going to be in the slot there. You also have Jordan Addison at Pitt, six foot 175. ADP right now is 51, 47 overall. Uh, 12.6 points per game last year. Wide receiver 79, let Pitt in all categories as a true freshman. And then you have Zay Flowers at Boston College, 5'10, 177, uh, ADP of 54 overall, uh, 16.6 points per game last year. Wide receiver 35. Do you have a favorite out of this group or a, or even a, a fade out of this group? Um, I don't have a fade out of this group. Um, I, I do like all three of these guys. But they're all going in the basically the exact same spots. Um, Downs 54, Addison 47, Flowers 54. So all basically in the same spot. So you kind of have to just take whichever one of them ends up being available, like right that that pick there. Um, I have more Downs and Flowers. I probably have the most Flowers um, because I feel like I feel like I see Downs go earlier than that. I'm surprised that it's a 54. You draft a lot with me, and I take downs a lot earlier than that. So. That's a that's a fair point. That's a fair point. So I end up with flowers probably the most, um, and probably Addison the least. I only have one Jordan Addison. His cost is too high this offseason. Um, I don't think he necessarily reproduces what he did last year. And then Pickett's gone. We don't have another guy there. I've got all my fingers crossed and all my toes crossed that Kyle McCord comes back home to Pennsylvania, <laughs> but... That's Good not luck. really looking very likely. So maybe maybe I'll just DM his dad a bunch and ask if he'll come. <laughs> Please tell Kyle to come over here. Um, so, yeah, but all those guys go in the same range there, and I think they're all probably going to have pretty strong seasons. Um, and in my 10 bold predictions, I did say that I think Jordan Addison loses a lot of value this year. So if you have him, I personally suggest selling him. but And then buy him back later. Up to you. Uh, last guy here in this category, which who I very much debated, but I think with Donovan Green's injury kind of sealed it for me here is Ja'Cory Roberson, who's at Wake Forest. Um, 6'1", 182, mostly a slot guy last year. Uh, 19.3 fantasy points per game, wide receiver 18, came out of nowhere. We thought it was going to be the Donovan Green show. It turned into the Ja'Cory Roberson show. Um, 62 catches, 926 yards, 8 touchdowns. No more green there. They like to throw the ball a lot. Hartman is just total definition of a gunslinger. I could see 80 catches for 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns on the table for Roberson, and I don't think that's a horrible stretch. But again, so and when I say these numbers, guys, like I don't do projections. I pull these numbers mostly out of my butt, but <laughs> I think they're mostly grounded in, in in reality. Yeah, no, I think they are too. I don't think you've you've thrown out any egregious numbers anywhere or anything like that um well izzy's gonna run for five thousand yards i didn't say that when we talked about him hmm, but fair point yeah. yeah that one you reached way up there to pull out didn't you <laughs> way <up. laughs> um no i i think jakiri roberson is not going highly enough right now with like you said with the injury to donovan green so that was kind of my hang up with him initially um is i i like donovan green uh, and I think that he was going to have a role there this year. Um, you know, so I think that I, I thought that was going to limit Roberson from doing what he did last year. You know, I, I saw maybe around that range, but less, less yardage probably. But 
with green going down, I think that that pushes Jakiri Roberson up the board. It pushes his projections and his, his um, stats this year up the board as well. And I think he has, he is an NFL skill set. You know, I think he's a guy who could go day, day two, maybe later day two. Um, you know, there's a lot of wide receivers that could go in that range, but um, you know, for, for 160 uh, ADP 164, you know, I think, I think it needs to be higher than that. He, um, I kind of think day two is probably a slight stretch for him, but I actually liked him more than I suspected I would when I sat down to watch him a few months ago, uh, just to get an idea. I was like, cause I, I thought I was Donovan green. I was Jacory Roberson. Who, who the hell is that? Um, he's kind of the kind of guy that I like. Mm-hmm. That's six foot ish, one eighty to one ninety, like kind of shifty, slippery, a little bit unorthodox with how he runs. I'm not sure if he's anything more than a slot guy, but I, I kind of like him. I I think I have like an early day three grade on him right now. I think that that kind of is going to be his round. The last must have guy we have here is Will Mallory from Miami, um, six five two forty five. ADP uh, last month was 115. I don't know what happened there because he's 211 overall. Um, but but regardless, he's stepping into that role that's vacated by Brevin Jordan, who scored 14.9 points per game last year, tight end four. Uh, Mallory's a really good athlete. I could see day two in his future as well. I think he's, he's a kind of sneaky guy that not a lot of people are on, but go get Will Mallory. Yeah, um, Corey. Uh, Corey talked about him when I had him on the show. He's That's right. he's a guy that Corey likes a lot too, and um, he's, I, I do like him for sure as well. I pro- I probably don't have enough of him to be honest with you, given that two eleven ADP. I mean, one fifteen is a little out of control. Um, I'm probably not taking any tight ends in that range, but um, yeah, I mean, Miami's a tight end factory. They're constantly pumping out tight ends there. Um, I think that their wide receivers are decent. Um, I think there's some guys that are intriguing, but a lot there's a lot of projection there. And I think Will Mallory is going to be the safest receiving option in that offense. Maybe Charleston Rambo, but um, probably Will Mallory will be the safest option there. And at a tight end position where, like I've said a bunch of times before, it's kind of a, a jumble. So, you know, Brevin Jordan finishes the tight end four last year. I think it's maybe a little high for Mallory, but I think Mallory finishes as a top 10 tight end. And, you know, if he finishes the top 10 tight end next year for the college side, also has an NFL future, you know, gets day two capital, uh, you know, what's not to like. Yeah. Um, so on to the maybe relevance, and we're going to go through these guys a little bit faster here. Um, at quarterback, we have uh, four options to choose from. Pick your fighter. Mackenzie Milton at Florida State. We chatted a little bit about earlier there. Malik Cunningham at Louisville. Uh, dual threat kid, 6'1", 200. Uh, 222 overall ADP was quarterback 21 last year. Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, uh, 6'1", 208. Uh, QB 62 last year. No ADP. He is not going in our drafts. I like to take him late. Just, you know, Mr. Zero QB. Sometimes I'll snap him up. And then I threw Braxton Burmeister in here because he's a pretty solid rusher, and I think he might be startable some weeks if you need a, a bi-week fill-in or something like that, if you went Debbie heavy on your quarterbacks. Um, 61205, and no ADP for him. He probably shouldn't be drafted, really, in anything but like the deepest, deepest leagues. Yeah, for, for Burmeister, um, uh, in our 24-team league, uh, I picked him up because I need some quarterbacks there. So I picked him up, um, you know, and, and I feel good about that. But beyond that, um, 
you know, it's maybe not recommended to draft him. If you're in a pinch in a quarterback, maybe, but, uh, you know, out of the, out of the guys on this list here, Malik Cunningham, definitely the most interesting. Uh, you probably only have him for one year though. Uh, I know the like weird COVID stuff, so I'm not ex- still not exactly sure if, if people are going to be able to come back again next year. I mean, I think they are going to be able to. I think they just kind of blanket kept everybody's eligibility the same. Is that right? I think so. Um, yeah. We're going to spend all offseason on this podcast just going like, I don't know who's back. I don't yeah. know who's back. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be the whole offseason. Yeah. So get ready for that. But. Um, one year Malik Willis or Malik Cunningham is going to be very good, but I don't think I don't see an NFL future there. Mackenzie Milton, um, I don't think we ever see the guy that he was at UCF. I don't think we ever see that again. I think he can have a very nice year this year. Um, hopefully, he's not QB twenty for the sake of uh, Eric Froton's hair. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, Sam Hartman was um, also a guy that I do like to take late as well. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, running back, some intriguing range of names here that I've put in this group. There's a lot of them. So I'm going to, I'll kind of go through them here. Kamaro Edmonds at UNC, 5'11, 230, RB17 last year in his class overall in the composite. His ADP is 73 right now. As I said earlier, I think he has the worst value to ADP ratio of probably any player um in the adp that we have right now sean tucker at syracuse 5 10 210 as a true freshman last year um uh, put up 626 yards rushing four touchdowns caught a few passes as well mateo durant at duke steps in and takes on the job from Deion jackson there um last year was rb 81 he's going uh, adp of 319 overall probably just a college guy there but still someone that you can probably start on bye weeks we have the entire Miami running back trio. <laughs> Literally, their ADPs are within 30 of each other. They all go at the same the same spot. Uh, Cameron Harris, Don Chaney, Jalen Knighton. Um, last year, they split the touches. Harris had 126 carries uh, for 643 yards, 10 touchdowns. Don Chaney had 68 for 322, and Jalen Knighton had 52 for 209. It's very even split on touches. I anticipate something very similar, but as we talked about earlier... Um, Derek King just nukes the upside there for fantasy. Um, Jalen Mitchell at Louisville, who again we talked about a little bit. When we talked about Cooley, 5'10, 221 last year in five games, put up 347 yards and two touchdowns. And then you have a couple guys at Clemson who figured a factor in Kobe Pace, uh, true freshman last year, negligible 75 yards rushing, uh, ADP of 261 overall, and Phil Maffa. The other true freshman that came in this year, RB11 in his class. His ADP is a little higher at 142, and I think that's probably slightly high, but he he looked better in spring than I thought he would. He, he looked a little more athletic. Um, so out of that whole group, Colin, do you, do you have a guy or a situation that you want to poke around on for a few minutes? Um, the Miami situation is, is definitely interesting. They all bring like their their own kind of a, a skill set there i mean jalen knighton is is more in the like pure pass catching back role like that's more of what i see him as a future um don cheney's a little bit more all of all around uh and cameron harris is a little bit more of a rusher um but the, like you said with with all of them being so close in adp it's hard to find value there so i don't really have any of those guys like you said with Derek King too, he kind of nukes that whole offense. So I don't necessarily see them putting up much production. 
don't know how much draft capital they're going to get. So I'm kind of out on all three of them. The one guy that I do. So I, I like Mateo Durant. He's a guy I have in a couple of places. Like you said, he's mostly going to be just a college producer. Um, but I think he's going to have, a, you know, a nice year this year. Um, you know, I liked Deion Jackson last year. Mateo Durant stole a decent amount of work last year from Deion Jackson. You know, he had 120 carries uh, for 817 yards. You know, he he had a couple catches here. He had 12 catches. So, you know, he catches a couple balls here and there. I think he's going to be a guy who will have like an RB2 to 3 type of a year. And it's difficult to say that because we, we, we say a lot of guys are in that range because there's not a lot of points you know it's points per game not a lot separates the rb 81 from the rb 48 um you know so it's, it's a very tight window there in college because there's so many teams so many different offenses and stuff but i think mateo durant's going to give you some nice starting weeks so i like that adp of his um i don't feel that strong i think that offense is going to be bad like really bad. Yeah, but I think it's going to um, lean on Durant. It's so, going to run through Durant. Yeah, the t- t- limited up uh, touchdown upside. I actually don't know if I have Durant anywhere. I don't dislike him. It's just there's other guys I kind of tend to be going toward at that point in time. Um, I actually don't really like any of these guys. I'll be I honest. will say Sean Sean yeah. Tucker um, must die. That's got to be a team <laughs> name. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Um, Sean Tucker, I will say, I thought he had better fantasy production last year. Um, I was kind of surprised that he ended up um, clocking in at the uh, RB 114, 11.2 fantasy points per game. I think a lot of that has to do with limited pass catching upside there. Only eight, uh, eight catches. He also didn't take that job until later in the year. I mean, if you look at his game logs, oh, actually, that's a lie. I'm full of shit. Game two, he had 24 carries. Yeah, I, was, I thought I thought it was like kind of his like him all year, but um, yeah, I was just I was surprised he didn't produce as much. Like I think of him more as like a college producer in the future here, there than than much of an NFL guy. You know, we'll see. And but, again, with, a very bad offense. Yes, similar to Durant. Just a, just a total. We did Tommy DeVito's the quarterback. He sucks. They have Garrett Schrader Garrett behind Schrader. him. And then you have Taj Harris and Sean Tucker. That's all there is to talk about on that team from a, from an offensive standpoint. Um, so, yeah. So, let's look at the wide receivers here. Again, a bunch of guys in this pool, but I actually like a lot of these guys. Um, Caffrey Brown. Caffrey, I forget how you said it. Close enough. Six foot 185. <laughs> Diami's younger brother. ADP right now is 230 overall. Emeka Amezi at NC State has an ADP of 359 overall. Big bully at the wide receiver position there, figures to lead them in receiving. Donovan Green at Wake Forest, unfortunately, will miss this entire year. They announced with an injury was a guy that I really like. His ADP has has started to drop and will continue to drop, but that makes him an enticing buy at this point in time. Destin Hill, who is not enrolled at Florida State, the rumor is that he will be enrolling there in the winter, so he'll probably miss this season, some sort of personal family situation going on. Um, his ADP, again, another guy that's been dropped dropping but he was a top five wide receiver in this class for me um so i I think he's worth a stash if you can snag him andrew parchment um the grandpa of the groups uh should probably leave florida state in receiving this year and then we have the entire clemson roster we have ej williams we have joe ngata we have frank ladson uh 
We have Aju Aju. All four of those guys are all, you know, 6'3", 215, 6'3", 6'3", Very, very similar. They're all in this range. Tavion Robinson at Virginia Tech. Uh, a little bit of a sleeper there, 5'10", 187. Um, not great numbers last year, but he, he's a pretty good player. And then Mike Harley, the one receiver that Derek King managed to make relevant last year. Um, he, 5'11", 182. I don't think there's NFL upside there. Um, but could be a, a solid CFF option in deeper leagues. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> we can get into the the Clemson wide receiver group then um, a, after we kind of dissect some of these other guys here first. Um, I like Coffrey Brown because I think that that offense is going to pass the ball a little bit more, like I mentioned it with Sam Howell and Diami, or, um uh, Josh Downs can't catch everything. So I think Coffee Brown, if he gets that number two role, is going to have a really nice year. He'll outperform that ADP likely. Um, Amezi, uh, pretty much probably just like a college producer. I don't know how much of an NFL future I see for him. Um, Donovan Green, it was a real shame to see him get hurt there. Uh, his ADP hasn't really fallen much at all, despite that. Um, but I... I'm in one league here where we're still in the middle of a draft. I got him in the 31st round, 371 overall. And I looked and I could not believe he was still there. So that's the only place that I have him. But, you know, at that at that spot, I love it. Um, I actually tried to take him the round before that, but I fat fingered it and pushed. Uh, I was on my phone uh, at the expo and I selected Renard Bell because they were right next to each Ouch. other. And yeah. he's out for the whole year. <laughs> yeah. So they're both out for the whole year. So I took back to back guys who are out for the whole year, but um, the, I, I like Donovan green. I think he'll have a, a potential NFL future there. You know, well, I don't have to see how he bounces back from that knee injury. Um, Destin Hill. I don't really have anywhere because he, he was going pretty early, early in the off season there until the news that he's not in Florida state. Um, you know, he's a guy that I might look to acquire, you know, in, in maybe like a week or two when people kind of forget about him and, you know, people are kind of looking to make some trades in season. Um, he's probably a guy that I'll look to acquire at that point though. Cause I do really like his talent. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so there are a lot of guys that I like in this group. Harley is not really one of them and neither is Aju. Aju is a guy that just, he's big. He has an otherworldly wingspan. I get that some of that stuff's enticing. He's he can't play receiver at all. He's total crap as a receiver. <laughs> you could watch that spring game and he had this really nice catch. Like it was back to back plays where literally like he he uh, he made a really nice catch, uh, kind of contested catch, and you're like he can do that. And then they just had him run a go down the right sideline. Literally, the release sucked. The de de defender did not move at all. Defender ran stride for stride for him with him. And then just like just ate the pass up. And it was like, <laughs> this is the guy. Like I, I just don't ever see. And he's super raw. You know, he came from Canada. He hadn't been playing football that long. I get that the athletic. He that is a that he is a classic roster clogger. He is never going to do anything particularly startable at Clemson, and he won't be a day one pick, and he won't be a day two pick. You're you're he is a guy that I think somebody else will always value, so you can dump him. And I just think he's a classic roster clogger. Get rid of Aju Aju if you have him. Pivot somewhere else. I just don't see it with him. Yeah, I agree. I have him in one place, and it's a it's a team that I took over, and I'm going to look to move him here very shortly. 
because uh, I agree with you that. And then just given the other guys that they have there, like we said before, they're all basically cookie cutter. They're the same guy. So out of that group, I don't know if I see Aju Aju having much of a future. And he got some hype in the spring. So, you know, try to capitalize off that and move him if you can. I think probably EJ Williams is the guy to own there. I mean, if Joe Nada can be healthy and put it together, you know, he's a bargain at his ADP of 80, but he hasn't really stayed healthy since he hasn't really put it together much. So I don't know if I, I don't have him anywhere just because I think that's too early. And I don't really know which of these guys is going to be the one to stand out. But if I had to pick one, um, it would either be EJ Williams or whichever one of the Collins rookies goes later. Um, I like Bo a little bit more than Dakari, but you know, whichever one goes later, somebody usually takes one and they forget about the other. I put, I put them in stashes, but yeah, I mean that, that whole wide receiver room is just a cluster and they have, so they bring in two wide receivers next year, Adam Randall, who is exactly the same as every single one of those guys. And then they bring in Brennan Thompson, I believe is his name. And he is a smaller, like 5'10 slot guy. That's the kind of the class that they have together for next year. It's just they bring, it's just guy after guy after guy. That's the same exact thing. And they're talented. It just makes it so freaking hard to predict who's going to break out there and who's yeah. not. And they don't seem to leave there. Nope. Like they don't really have guys transfer out of that room. It's the weirdest thing. So um, who knows? I don't know. Um, tight end. We actually have a couple of names here. Uh, Braden Galloway at Clemson. Uh, ADP of 327 overall, uh, 6'4", 240. Athletic kid. Um, I don't know what else to say about him. I thought he would have a decent year last year. I think you did too, right? You were. I did. Were, yeah, I he, liked. I liked Braden Galloway. I mean, he was okay for a college tight end. Twenty-seven catches, three hundred sixty-nine yards, two touchdowns. Um, but he didn't really establish himself, and that opportunity may now be gone. Lucas Kroll at Pitt, six-six two sixty. He is a very good athlete. Pitt was very excited when they brought him in on transfer from uh, Florida a couple years ago, and then he got hurt the first game of the year. So we didn't get to see him the rest of the time, but he looked really good in the spring and, and staff's excited to have him back. And then James Mitchell at Virginia Tech, 6'3", 255. His ADP is right around 300. Uh, tight end 22 last year, 26 catches, uh, 435 yards, four touchdowns. So some intriguing options there, but probably all day three guys at best. So you're hoping for some college production, um, but they're all good. that's some pretty good athletes there in that group. Yeah, I, James Mitchell's a guy I end up with on a lot of different places. Um, I end up with him a lot because he's going to be, like, you know, fantasy relevant this year. He's tight end 22 last year, 8.6 fantasy points per game. Um, you know, I, I think that that's very, very much in his range of outcomes again this year, maybe even a little bit higher. You know, maybe he creeps up into the TLTE 18 to 15 range. Um, and he's got you know, NFL size to he's a decent athlete. He's got solid hands. So, you know, probably a day three guy, but there's he'll latch onto a roster somewhere. So, you know, if I can get some college production on him, you know, a tight end and then he'll latch onto a roster, I'll take him. And, and at ADP of 298 too, you know, that's so late. It really, really is. Um, once you get into those late tight ends, I mean, it's kind of, it's Russian roulette uh, as yeah. to which ones end up breaking out a lot of stash options here. 
Drake May, UNC. Like some of these guys are almost too good to be called stashes, but like I said, Drake May, uh, 6'5", 220. He's QB9 in this year's class. Expected to take over for Sam Howell if and when he leaves after this year. Jake Garcia at Miami was the QB8 in this year's class. Again, expected to take over for De'Ara King when he leaves. Um, Between those two quarterbacks, do you seem to target either of those guys? You have to take them kind of early for a stash, which kind of sucks. Yeah, that's the thing. You kind of have to take them early for a stash. I do like Drake May. Um, You know, I don't really, I don't think I have him anywhere, actually. But that's because he usually goes in the exact same range that Thompson and Dart go in. And I end up with a lot more of Thompson and Dart than I do of May. Um, Same kind of a thing with Garcia. He kind of ends up in the same spot, too. Um, I know Jacuri Brown didn't really look that great at the elite 11, but I, uh, that's not really an environment where Jacuri Brown is going to shine. Um, I just worry that Jacuri Brown gets on campus and they kind of want to keep doing what they're doing with Derek King and Jacuri Brown fits that offense better than Jake Garcia. So I just, I'm a little concerned about his future. I think Jake Garcia is a better quarterback, but uh, he goes in a range that I don't really take him. Yeah, I have a lot of dart. Um, and actually, like f- as far as stashes go, I would rather wait a couple rounds later and get Evan Prater, who seems to be forgotten about compared to these guys, and then uh, yeah. Preston Stone as well. Yeah. Those are two guys that I like to stash just as much as them. A uh, f- bunch of receiver stashes here. Uh, Nate McCollum at Georgia Tech. I Not unless you're in a really deep league, but he's 5'11", 180. Uh, he was wide receiver 67 in last year's class. He's really fast. He can contribute on special teams. He basically is replacing Amari on Brown there. Um, and again, his skill set, not sure how much it meshes with Jeff Sims and his inability to effectively push the ball deep, but he's there. And then J- James Blackstrain, who's also at Georgia Tech, true freshman this year, 6'2", 190. They've had some nice things to say about him. Uh, wide receiver 48 this year's class. Um, so just two guys to monitor there. Miami. That's what I'm talking about with Derek King. Got a lot of receivers <laughs> here I like. He can't make any of them work. Keyshawn Smith, it sounds like he's probably going to start in the slot this year. 6'1", 188. He was wide receiver 12 in last year's class. And then you've got Romello Brinson, Jacoby George, and Michael Redding III are all intriguing. Uh, Brinson being a freshman this year, and George and Redding uh, have been on the roster for at least a year there. This past weekend at their scrimmage, George went for 7, 127, and 1. So just something to keep an eye on there uh, at running back. Or, oh, sorry, actually a couple more receivers here. We've got the Florida state freshman duo Malik McLean and Joshua Burrell McLean getting more of the hype rightfully should um, six, four, two, Oh one wide receiver 42 in this year's class. You have Burrell who is wide receiver 78 in this year's class um, Porter Rooks. Who's at NC state was a true freshman four star last year. Uh, didn't do so much, but I think he gets more involved this year. The three Clemson guys, Dakari Collins, Bo Collins, Troy Stilato. I'm considering Lavelle Davis a stash at this point because he's injured. He's totally off the radar. He's 6'7", 210, I believe. Had a decent year last year, um, but but out this year with the ACL. Dontavian Wicks, who we talked a little bit on last show, should be his fill-in this year. Uh, Dwayne Lofton, a favorite of mine. And people forget he's on fan tracks because they have his fucking last name is spelled <laughs> l lofton l-o-f-t-o-n fantrax get your shit together on fantrax it's l-o-f-t-i-n so if you're looking for him that is where he is 
Uh, some running backs, Lawrence Toafili, one of Collins' guys there at Florida State, probably gets some touches this year uh, and then maybe can take over that job when Corbin leaves. Caleb Hood, who we already talked about. Um, and that's really it from a running back perspective, actually. And then you have at tight end, you have Jake Brenningstool, who is the number one tight end of this class. I am fading him. He yeah. is 6'6", 215. 215 as a tight end. He's smaller than half their receiver core. <laughs> I don't tight end one is stupid for him. I'd rather look elsewhere. And then Elijah Royal at Miami, who is already 6'4, 235 as a tight end seven in this year's class. My pick to be the tight end one from this class when everything is said and done. So a lot of names, Colin. Do you have one you really like there besides Caleb Hood? Um I feel like I talk about Toafili a lot. The only thing I'll say about Toafili um, here is they have been reportedly like kind of moving him around, using him in the slot a little bit. So I'm hoping they kind of maybe find like an Antonio Gibson type of a role for him this year. And they use him a bit at receiver. Um, so that way he get does get on the field there uh, at an ADP of 216. I think he's an absolute steal. I have him and Corbin both in a lot of places. Um, so, I'm very hopeful that he can have a role this year as well, but if not, he'll step in right next year when Corbin goes. Um, I'm with you on Elijah Royo. He's the guy that I would pick to be the uh, tight end one in this class as well. Um, I have him in a couple of places. Just Miami's a tight end factory. He's already got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's a very good receiver for a tight end too. Uh, we need to bring the blocking along a little bit, but you know, I think he, he can get there. Um, it should be like a complete tight end set, but worst case scenario, I think he'll be like a Brevin Jordan type. He's a pretty natural successor to that. Um, and then uh, James Blackstrain is also a guy that I like. I, again, I don't know how much Jeff Sims is going to make it, you know, I don't know how much Jeff Sims is going to produce in, in a passing sense. So I don't know how well Bla James Blackstrain is going to do uh, in college until they get a new quarterback there. But um, I like his skill set a lot. I think that he's going to be a riser probably next year. Um, it's probably a year early on him. So yeah. I don't have him yeah. in a lot of places, but I will take him probably end of the year, beginning of next year. Yeah, I mean, Lofton and Arroyo have been two of my guys from the beginning. Um, they're, they're guys that I continue to stash places. Um, Arroyo, it, there's like three guys that I think from this class have the chance to be the number one tight end. It's Fedone, who's out for this year, Arroyo, and then Jatavian Sanders. And then there's yeah. a kind of like Bowers and Trigue, uh, kind of fall a little bit behind those guys, that group, maybe even Jermaine Terry. That's kind of my, my group of guys that I pull from, um, last Keyshawn, just, oh, go, oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just Keyshawn Smith is a sneaky guy there. Keyshawn Smith, I have him in some deeper leagues. I think I, I like him a lot. Okay. What were you going to say? Um, I was just going to say, the thing with Malik McLean, I didn't notice his ADP was a 207. Um, he's a guy that I like Malik McLean a lot. ADP 207 is kind of pushing it for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fine with it there, but if it gets too much higher, then I'm out. But I already have him in a good amount of places, so I'm not too worried about it. But that surprised me that that was that high. But sorry, go ahead. Um, he he goes too early for me. I'm not sold at all. Um, but here we are. Um, we talked about our avoids, so I think we're we're good on that. Um, so that's going to be tonight's show, guys. 
Um, I know it's a long one, so <laughs> thanks for thanks for bearing with us here. Um, thanks to Felix again for hopping on here with us to, to do our cram session. Uh, make sure, guys, to be on the lookout. All these breakdowns, again, are in article form on the website. Um, we're working through them as they go up on the site. We're, we're following the same order. So, um, so, so be attention to those. A lot of other articles going up there, getting you guys prepped for the season. The other podcast, Why Wait Till Sunday, uh, has gotten their new co-host, Chris Moxley. They're going to start really hitting the DFS content, betting content, um, and, and college fantasy. Pay, tune into that. Debbie Debate, uh, Fantasy Football Roundtable. Um, and of course, our late week show here, um, usually Canton Pound, but will be another episode of Summer School. Until then, though, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.